Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserved or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere 
with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Monday, August 29th, 2016. We're almost out of this month. A couple more days, and it's over. But then it's into September and wintertime. Uh-oh. Anyway, it's about uh, seven and a half minutes after noon Pacific time, so if all that's true where you're at, we are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. Anyhow, you can also go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. And you can get to our website, at least for now, because, uh, you know what? Obama is giving away the Internet. Did you know that? That's right, the United States, who built the Internet, the Department of Defense, designed and built the Internet. The Internet is a creation of the United States military, okay? That means we own it. We paid for it. We own it. This crap about, oh, uh, you know, it's an international thing. It's only an international thing because the United States allows the rest of the world to use it. Now Obama is giving it up, saying, oh, well, you know, it's not fair because the United States is just one country. Yeah, the one country that built the Internet. Build your own damn Internet if you want to have an Internet to control. Now, here's the problem. Oh, it's okay, because it's going to go to an international, uh, you know, it's just... No, it isn't okay. Guess what? They have an... ICON has antitrust exemption. Why? Because they are a part of the U.S. government. U.S. government entities, like the post office and such, do not have antitrust. The laws of antitrust do not apply to the government, of course. Well... Once Obama gives it up, it's no longer a government agency and does not anymore have antitrust exemption. So what are they going to do? They're going to run and they're going to look real hard, real fast for another government entity like, guess who? The United Nations. The Internet is going to be controlled by the, by the United Nations. Isn't that sweet? Doesn't that sound nice? Oh, boy, that's going to be great, right? No, not so much. Not so much at all. And why? Well, one reason is because of scumbags who should be dead like George Soros. Okay? Don't go out on the street, George. I'll tell you what, because if I see you anywhere I'm at, I don't think I'll be able to control myself. I'm sorry. You got to go, Pally. You're evil as the day is long, and you should be under the dirt. And your whole stinking rotten family along with you. That's right, all your kids, all your girlfriends, all your everybody. Anybody who has sorrow's blood in their veins should be dead right now. Why am I so upset with George Soros today? Well, because of the internet thing. An internal proposed strategy from George Soros Open Society Justice Initiative calls for international regulation of private actors' decisions on what information is taken off the Internet and what may remain. You getting this? He'll decide. 
private actors' decisions. Those regulations, the document notes, should favor those most supportive of open society. Do you get it? George Soros is saying internet censorship, because that's what it is when private actors decide what can stay and what can go. That's censorship. So, internet censorship should favor those who support George Soros. In other words, folks, this is not new, okay? Now we know where it's coming from. Now we can point to a central figure, the one who's been paying Hillary Clinton, the one who's been paying Barack Obama, the one who's been paying the Democratic National Committee, the one who says, hey, censorship should favor us. And what has Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama been doing? Yeah, they've been targeting their opposition the ones that do not favor them. Let's look at the media. What do they favor? Oh, well, they favor the same thing. And who do they get their money from? The same place. George friggin' Soros. This guy, I don't know how he got to be a U.S. citizen. I guess he paid his way through because, oh, you can do that now, you know. Oh, you don't think so? Well, how about Khan? The con man who stood up at the uh, Democratic National Committee crying about his boy that was killed in the U.S. military 12 years earlier. Yeah, you know what his job is? His job is purchasing visas for rich people who want to become permanent residents or citizens in the United States of America. They don't have to qualify. They don't have to wait. They just have to pay the con man. And they're in. Yeah, that's his job. Is it all coming together for you now? Are you finally starting to see the big picture? Look, you know what? If we're not going to have a revolution in the streets, then we need to specifically start targeting enemies of the United States of American people and eliminating them. Simple, plain, that's the way it goes. We don't have to burn down our own neighborhoods. We don't have to do anything like that. We have to specifically find out who these people are, find out where they are, and get rid of them. That's what is necessary. That's what it's going to take. And if we're not willing to do that, then sit back and get ready for the apocalypse, because it's on the way, folks. And no, AVR won't be around. No, nothing else will either. Drudge won't be around. Nothing will be around. All that will be around is what the government wants you to hear. And that'll be that. And then you can just sit there and eat your government cheese and get in a FEMA line, and you'll die a slave. Or you can pull your head out of your behind and start doing something. Folks, let me tell you something. The Internet, this whole thing is bad. But the one thing you can never do, the one thing you must respond in violence to, you hear me? You must respond with violence. If they come and try to take your guns, you must respond in violence. Serious violence. Okay? I'm not talking 
bad words. You might trigger somebody. No, I'm talking, let's see, what do they call that? With extreme prejudice. Okay? No talking, just killing. When they come and try to take your guns, you must resist with violence. Fierce, unending, terrible violence. Do I look forward to it? No. Am I saying just go out and do it? No. But when they come, you need to defend yourself. Because they're, they're, they're out of control. There's no talking to these people anymore. And you know what? If you're a dumbass cop and you're going to follow those orders, then you deserve to die. Period. You know, and, and I can't do it by myself. I will do it by myself. Because you know what, folks? I would rather die in a, in a hail of gunfire than live my life on my knees as someone's slave. And if you don't feel that way, then you're not an American. You don't even belong in this country. But, but my kids... Yeah, your kids will grow up slaves. Is that what you want? But at least they'll be alive. Huh. Will they? For how long? Until the government can figure out how to drain them of every bit of value they, they had and then kill them? Because that's the plan, folks. If you don't, you know what? And I hate to bring this up because it's been so overdone in the Patriot community. The movie The Matrix. Okay? I liked that movie. I mean, it was a great movie. The ones after it were, eh, okay. You know, they were all right. It seems like they forced themselves to make two more movies. But, uh, you know, the first one was just, uh, you know, amazing. An amazing original concept, well done, special effects were awesome, uh, and a storyline. It was just the total package when it comes to a sci-fi movie, but there was also a lot of truth in it, like there is a lot of sci-fi. You know, everybody was physically hooked up as a battery to power the machine of the aliens. Well, guess what, folks? You're not hooked up as a battery, but what's going on is, this is how it goes. Okay, so now you're a complete slave because you're a pussy and you sat there and you gave up your guns because you're a whimpering little piece of garbage who shouldn't have ever been born in the first place. And now you're a slave. And there's little Junior. Oh, send Junior off to get all his shots. Oh, now he has autism. What a bummer, huh? But it's okay because now there's lots of pharma drugs and lots of treatments and lots of everything that cost money. Now, whether you're paying for it or not, folks, if you've got the money, you'll be paying for it. If you don't got the money, we'll all be paying for it through government programs because they got to keep the money flowing. This isn't about value because our money has no value, folks. That little piece of paper is no more valuable than a piece of toilet paper you spin off the roll and shove up your butt and flush down the toilet, okay? No more value than that. It's all just a game. It's all just numbers. And the main thing about this game is not the value. It's to keep it moving, keep it flowing. 
circulate the money, or the currency, should I say, because it's really not money, but the currency. Circulate the currency. Our monetary system has become more of an organism that needs the it, like we need our blood to flow. If your blood stops flowing, you're going to have a problem. If the money stops flowing, we're going to have a problem. Why do you think they keep talking about growth, growth, growth? Oh, the economy grew, the economy grew, the economy grew. Well, gee, the economy ought to be on the moon by now. It's been growing for 100 years every time. Grow, 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 grow. Doesn't that seem a bit unnatural to you that something just keeps growing? What happens when something just keeps growing uncontrollably? Oh, they'll tell you, oh, we got it under control. Yeah, really? What happens when you just keep filling balloons with air? Oh, they end up bursting. What happens when you just keep pouring water into a cup? Oh, it starts overflowing and makes a big mess. Well, that's what's fixing to happen with our economy. But there's nothing to do about it. If we keep what we have and do what we are doing, there is no solution to it. You understand that? Look, when I tell you things are going to crash and burn, that's not some prediction. Get this straight, folks. This is not some prediction. This is a fact. Because unless... Now, if they decide to say, wake up one morning, you read the news, and they go, oh... Federal Reserve announces that they're getting rid of fiat currency. They're going to start backing whatever currency we use on precious metals. And here are the new rates, and here's what we're going to do now. Yeah, they could, they could probably fix it by doing that. Of course, that would destroy. That in itself would disrupt things to a point where we would have a couple of years of some very difficult times. But then things would straighten out, and we'd have a real currency that would actually work. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that until after it explodes. They're not going to do it voluntarily, because if they did it voluntarily, everybody would blame them. You did this. You got rid of our wonderful, we loved our fiat currency. Now I can't, oh, it's so terrible now. And you're the one that did it. And that's what they would say. They don't want to take the blame. They will not voluntarily do it. They don't have to. They know they don't have to because here eventually it's going to explode on its own. And again, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is not a dream. This is math. Okay? This is why Ponzi schemes are illegal. Because you see the math works out to where uh, it is impossible to continue. It is impossible that people will not lose their money, lose their investments, be damaged by this. It is impossible mathematically. This is why Ponzi schemes are illegal. And our whole monetary system is nothing more than a Ponzi scheme. This is why they have to have growth, 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 growth. Because just like a Ponzi scheme, growth correlates to new new marks, let's call it that way, new suckers, because that's what a Ponzi scheme needs, 
new suckers all the time so the people at the top the ones that were have been there can get paid they got to have new people in well same with growth in the economy they got to keep growing got to keep growing or else the whole scheme falls apart why does our economy need to keep growing why do we have to have inflation why do things have to cost more every year you think they don't know that's screwing the little people? Of course they do. Look what's happened. Their plan has been perfect for them to take control of the world's wealth, is what they've done. They are looking to go back to the dark ages where you had a few uh, so-called nobility, we call them the elite, living up on the hill in the castle while all the little serfs on the land supply them with their every need even if that means going without themselves. That's what they're working towards. That's what they want, the good old days. And they've gone about it by inflation. Because you see, inflation, they go out and borrow money. Lots of money. Trillions and trillions and hundreds of trillions of dollars they borrow. Well, inflation makes paying back those trillions of dollars easier because now you're paying them back with, you know, currency that is worth less. So this is good for you. You can keep this rolling for longer and get even richer. But what about the little people who are not investment gamblers, huh? You're just trying, going out there, getting, uh, going to work, getting your paycheck, trying to buy food, and every month, the food gets more and more expensive. The gas gets more and more expensive. You can't afford to live in a house, have a car, and e- even a wife and one kid on a minimum wage job. Hell, you can't even support yourself on a minimum wage job. In an apartment, having a car, And all the things that come with the car, see, the insurance, the registration, the gas, the maintenance, the tires, the rent, the water, the electricity. Yeah, you get in the picture, minimum wage doesn't go that far. You can't do it. So they have made it completely where a whole class of people who are making what minimum wage... They can't have a real life. They cannot have a place to live and a car to drive. They have to choose. I can have this or that. I can't have both. I can have a place to live and a car, but I can't eat. I can have a car and I can eat, but I can't have an apartment. These are the choices that minimum wage people get to make, thanks to the economy, thanks to inflation, because everything costs so much and we're paid so little. This is all by design, folks. It's not an accident. It's not, oops, oh, gee, we fell down and look what happened. No. They do it on purpose. This is why Janet Yellen and the creeps at the Federal Reserve are always talking about how they have to maintain inflation. Oh, we have to keep a certain amount of inflation. And everybody sits there and goes, yeah, okay, well, that sounds smart. No. It's screwing you, folks. I don't give a damn about Soros' payments or the federal government's payments. I don't care what happens to them. I care what happens to the people. And you see, they are just the opposite, which makes them my enemy. And folks, unless you're an idiot, they're your enemy too. Oh, I support the government, do you? Well, the government wants to kill you and put you in a cardboard box, and you support that? 
you really are an idiot if you support them. You better start getting it straight, folks. The federal government of the United States and every little state government, too, to a lesser degree but still the same, are your enemy. They are out to destroy you, take everything you own, and destroy your life, your culture, and American history. Everything our forefathers fought and died for in this country, they want to destroy. And they're working on it. And you can see it. So you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to sit there and go, oh, well, Frank says. No. Why don't you go look at the news? Why don't you go look around? Why don't you pay attention a little bit and you can see it yourself? You really shouldn't need anybody to tell you these things. It is, as the Declaration of Independence says, self-evident that they are out to destroy us. This latest thing with Obama and the, Uni- uh, and the uh, United Nations and the Internet is just the latest thing. But that ain't all. Oh, no, that ain't all, buddies. No, no, no. But I look at the time and I see, oh, I don't have time to get into all the other stuff right this second. But we will when we come back from break, which we're going to do right now. So everybody stay tuned. <laughs>
I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Monday, August 29, 2016. It's 1239 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. 
If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live, 800-932-1980 or theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Okie dokie. Let's get back to our things and stuff. Now, not to move on from the uh, Internet thing because, you know, I want to leave you with a little good news. Okay, this is a big, bad thing, and it's not just the United Nations you've got to worry about. It's ICANN itself, okay? That's the organization that's in charge of the Internet, you know, domain names and such. The fact is, they're a mess, okay? Because for the last two years, the United States government basically has not been overseeing them anymore because they're preparing to give it up. Obama's been looking for a way to give up the Internet, which, folks, this is not smart. The Internet is a strategic... Okay, now listen to me. It is a strategic defense communication network. That's what it was designed to be. That's what it is. It was designed to withstand nuclear attacks, meaning, okay, so you nuke uh, Kansas City and Denver and, uh, you know, Washington, D.C., the Internet reroutes around them to where the rest still communicates. Okay, so for one, folks, giving up control of the Internet is a matter of national security, and to do so is an act of treason. Again, this man commits treason almost every day, all right? But this is just one other, one more incident of treason. Understand what the Internet was made to be. And it didn't stop being that just because the Department of Defense let everybody use it. It's like the interstate highways, folks. The interstate highway system is a Department of Defense project. Did you know that under Eisenhower? That the interstate highway system in the United States was designed and built as a Department of Defense national security project. Yeah, hey, everybody gets to use the interstate highway for their, you know, go on vacation or whatever else you want. But that doesn't mean it stopped being a strategic defense project. I mean, honestly, folks, the Internet is the same thing. Do you know why the interstate was made? Because... Eisenhower realized in Europe that one of the big problems were roads. Because uh, transporting big, heavy tanks across fields creates problems. Oh, yeah, these, these horrible monsters, you know, they seem really great. But let me tell you, I know from firsthand experience, you can get them stuck pretty easy. Now, you know, tank crews aren't generally the most brightest people in the world, and they can get a tank stuck like you've never seen. I have seen tanks stuck up to their turret in mud. Yeah, with a thrown track underneath all that mess. Oh, yeah, it's great fun to try to pull them out to try to get them back on the road. So you see Eisenhower realize, gee, this is slowing us down. Golly, this is making a mess. Boy, we might not get where we need to be on time. And that's a bad thing in a war when you're coordinating uh, different forces together to be at the same place at the same time. Then they got to Germany, and Hitler had the Autobahn. 
You see, the Autobahn wasn't built so Germans can drive 150 miles an hour in their fancy Mercedes, folks. It was built so Nazi Germany could transport their armies fast. Eisenhower saw this and said, wow, what a difference coming through Germany than coming through the rest of Europe. You know what? We need something like this in the United States. And hence, the interstate highway system was born. The Internet is the same thing. It is the modern version of the interstate highway, except for communications and data purposes. That's what it was built for. Hey, are we going to give away the interstate highways to the United Nations also? It's a bad plan, and it is treason, folks, because the Internet isn't just fun and games and porn and dating and whatever else. Pokemon, okay? It is a national defense project. The Internet is important to the United States of America's national security. And Obama wants to give it away. Hmm. I call that treason. This article here ends, because I'm not going through the whole thing, but... The only thing worse than a monopoly, now remember, that's the whole thing, Icon is a, mo uh, is a monopoly, and really should be when it comes to what they do, but the only thing worse than a monopoly overseen by the United States government is a monopoly overseen by no one, or by a web-censoring United Nations. But here's the point, now you listen up, and I I absolutely expect every single last one of you listening out there to dial the phone, you dial your House of Representatives, you dial your Senator, both of them, and you tell them they better stop this. You better point out this is a national security issue. The Internet was built by the Department of Defense. The United States owns it. It is part of our national security. And to give it up to a foreign entity is an act of treason. And point that out to them because Congress still has time to extend its ban on the Obama administration giving up protection of the Internet. And let me tell you something. ICON has given it every single reason to do so. They have messed up everything they've tried to do in the last two years because they're a little dictatorship. Woo, we're in charge now. The U.S. isn't watching us. Woo what, look what we can do. We can really screw this up. I'm telling you. You better call Con if you If you, you know, most of you are listening on the Internet. I know some of you are listening on satellite, but hey, folks, Listen to me. If you don't do a phone call to three people, do you really expect, what, do you, what do you ex exactly do you expect to happen in this country? And who exactly do you expect to blame if you can't make three phone calls? Who do you expect to blame when you're sitting in chains, eating dirt in a FEMA camp, being shot full of poisons that are going to kill you? Huh? Watching your children die in front of you. Who are you going to blame when you can't even make three phone calls? Huh? But this ain't the only treason Obama's up to today. Oh, no. This guy's a busy, busy 
busy, busy trader. Oh, yeah. But listen to this. This guy is, he needs, uh, the Senate of the United States, the House of Representatives, needs to impeach this man right now. They need to make the last month, you know what? If for no other reason I realize, oh, yeah, 70 days to the election, you know, January's only, you know, and he's out of there. Well, you know what? Look what he's doing. The House of Representatives needs to impeach this man now. So he needs to focus on his impeachment and going to jail rather than, uh, you know, committing treason against the people of the United States. All right? If for no other reason, just to keep him busy for the next few months, and hey, maybe after the inauguration of another president, he can go to prison. Because that's where he belongs. Listen to this. Obama is prepared to enter into the Paris Climate Accord as early as this week. Well, that's nice. How does he do that? Even though Republicans have insisted the pact must be ratified by the Senate. Because it's a treaty. See, they call, oh, the Paris Climate Accord. Oh, well, we're calling it an accord. It's not a treaty, so therefore we don't need ratification. This is their way around things. They just use a different word that means the same thing as treaty, and they go, oh, well, see, it's not a treaty. It's an accord. Oh, it's not a contract. It's an agreement. Oh, it's the, you know, they do this crap all the time, and we have to bring it to a stop. See, I'm sick of doing this legalese BS with these people. It's like, look, you're trying to rip me off. I'm going to chop your freaking head off. How about that? I'm going to stop your lying, stealing, thieving, treasonous so-and-so one way. Bang, you're gone. Folks, you know what? It's getting to be there. We're not there yet, but it's getting there, folks. And you better be ready. Just like you better be ready with beans and rice and whatever else you need to live on, you better be ready mentally that that's where we're going. No more discussions with these communist pigs. Once it starts, they're over. Or we're over. It's a fight to the death. And that's that. That's the way it is. You better get ready for that, folks. Because the South China Morning Post reported that Mr. Obama and Chinese President Xi Jinping are set to jointly announce their ratification of the ambitious international climate change pact on Friday two days before the start of the 11th G20 summit in China. Now listen to this. There are still some uncertainties from the U.S. side due to the, get this, due to the complicated U.S. system in ratifying such a treaty. Complicated? Oh, yes, it's so much simpler just to have a dictator decide what's going to be and what's not going to be. Golly gee, yes, all that complication about being part of your government and having self-determination over your own life and what happens to you. How complicated. Oh, my, isn't that complicated? It's not complicated. They should say constitutional. There are still some uncertainties from the U.S. side due to the constitutional U.S. system. But the announcement is still quite likely to be ready September 2nd. (laughs) Oh, uh, we're just going to do it. I'm just going to say it's ratified, even though it isn't. 
The Thursday report touched off alarm among foes of the Paris Agreement, which calls for nations to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions with the aim of holding global temperatures to an increase of well below 2 degrees Celsius from pre-industrialized levels. Myron Ebel, director of the Free Market Competitive Enterprise Institute Center for Energy and Environment, described the report as curious because ratifying treaties in the United States requires a two-thirds vote of the Senate. In China's Communist Party, dictatorship, ratification merely requires their maximum leader to say, so be it. Yes, that's so much less complicated, isn't it? Uh, Lo and behold, the President of the United States can ratify a treaty in the same way as China's maximum leader. He merely has to say the magic words, so be it. Yeah, well, Senator James Inhofe, uh, chairman of the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee has warned other nations that without Senate approval, the agreement will soon become another stack of empty promises on global warming. I want to make sure international participants are warned now that the president's commitment lacks the support of his own government and will fail. Well, there you go. Yep. Uh, you know, but he's just going to do it anyway. I mean, honestly, really? Have you ever seen a president or, okay, have you ever read about a president in history of this country that has just decided that, oh, I don't need the stinking Senate to ratify treaties. I'm just going to ratify this treaty myself. There, it's ratified because I say so. Ha- have you ever read even about this level of arrogance, this level of treason. I mean, this level of usurpation. It's it's amazing. But he's doing it. He doesn't care. He feels like nobody will do anything to him. Man, how about this? The Huffington Post. Now, I want you to remember something, folks. The Huffington Post started out as a conservative website because that prostitute, Ariana Huffington, huffing whore, was married to a Republican conservative man, which it was all his money. And, of course, she was the dutiful little conservative wife until the old man died. And then all the money was hers, and now she comes out with her true colors as a liberal scumbag feminist. Huffington Post bans journalists. Why? For writing about Hillary's health. And then they deleted the article. Yep, the Huffington Post has sensationally censored an article pertaining to questions about Hillary Clinton's health and banned the journalist who wrote it from posting on their website altogether. David Seaman penned a commentary piece discussing questions surrounding Hillary Clinton's health problems on Sunday. The story included a link to my viral uh, a, a video on the subject. Uh, but when you go to Huffington Post, this post is no longer available. Wow. Uh, 
It appears as though the main reason for the article being deleted was the fact that Seaman didn't automatically dismiss the entire issue as conspiracy theory. Wow. Okay, so there you have it. The Huffington Post is now 100% in the whole, uh, you know, deal about uh, getting Hillary elected. Just add them to the list of places not to pay any attention to. Oh, and by the way, I think the Huffington Post just got, I think they just were purchased by either AOL or Verizon, one or the other. I'm not sure. You know, there's so many, uh, these big companies. And that's another thing, folks. You know what you've got to thank for all these humongous corporations, the IAG Farbens of the world? Sucking up all these little independent websites and independent companies. You got Ronald Reagan to thank for that, folks. I want to make that very clear. All you conservatives out there, Ronald Reagan was no hero. Do you know who Ronald Reagan was? Ronald Reagan was the father of the neocon movement. And the neocon movement is nothing but a bunch of communists pretending to be conservatives to try to fool you into supporting them. And that's what they are. For crying out loud, folks, Ronald Reagan was a Democrat. He was a communist. Are you kidding me? Go back in his history before he was governor of California, when he was the uh, president of the Screen Actors Guild, and before that, you'll find out where his real loyalty lies. Lies is good for him because that's all he was, was a liar or Let's be kind. He was an actor, a thespian, and that's exactly what he was in the White House, pretending to be conservative. But I'll give the guy some credit. He gave a great speech. The FBI has uncovered evidence that foreign hackers penetrated two state election databases in recent weeks, prompting the Bureau to warn election officials across the country to take new steps to enhance the security of their computer systems, according to federal and state law enforcement. Yeah, yeah, foreign hackers. Okay, let me point something out to you folks in law. In regards to a state government, like the state of Oregon's government, the United States federal government is foreign in regards to that. Do you understand that? So when they say foreign hackers, they may technically be telling you the truth. They are foreign hackers, probably out of Washington, D.C., probably out of Langley. But they don't tell you that, right? They don't tell you that part. <laughs> oh, man. So in South Carolina, at a football game, the principal, he banned American flags from any students bringing little American flags to the football game. Banned the American flag from the football game, and the police chief is supporting him. You know why? Because they were playing a football game against another high school that was predominantly Mexican. Are you kidding me? So now they ban the American flag while they let in illegal aliens on the border. Folks, this is treason. Okay? This is treason. That 
principal committed treason. He was giving aid and comfort to the uh, enemies of America. Illegal aliens are the enemies of America. And he is banning our national flag from a football game because a bunch of illegal aliens might not like it. Boy, we got big trouble, folks. Too much trouble to cover in one hour, so I'll be back again tonight at 8 p.m. for two hours then. So we'll do that. And coming up next is Financial Survival. And we got a full day after that, so stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. And I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Monday, August 29th, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Who is that cartoon character that used to 
Oh, Yogi Bear. Yeah, that's Yogi Bear. Mm. The picnic basket for Boo Boo. Anyway. You're calling and, me Boo Boo? Is that what you're doing right now? Pardon? Are you calling me Boo Boo? Is that what you're saying? I'm Yogi Bear. You're Yogi Bear? I'm Yogi Bear. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm sure the listeners all remember Yogi Bear and the picnic basket. I don't remember. That was before my time, Bill. <laughs> okay. It's only the old people that remember Yogi Bear. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Anyway, I was able to remember the gold prices today. You have gold up 220 220 for gold. Yeah. Uh, for Monday, is pretty good, $1,323 off the high of 12 of 1326 So you have gold up 220 at 1323 off the high of thirteen twenty six. Silver is up fifteen cents at eighteen dollars and ninety cents. Platinum was up three at a thousand eighty. You have palladium up eight at six hundred and ninety nine dollars. And of course I think we have a stronger dollar today. I haven't been able to follow the paper markets much today. Uh the USDX was up a little bit, point eleven. At ninety five fifty nine, crude oil was down sixty five at forty six ninety nine, and the paper markets today, I believe they were triple digits to the upside. You have the Dow up one oh eight, eighteen thousand five hundred and three. The Nasdaq up thirteen fifty two thirty two. The S and P up eleven at twenty one eighty. And uh, Wall Street certainly loves, uh, certainly loves um, Janet Yellen. And uh, looks like the economy is growing, as I guess they came out. And uh, I don't have the full report in front of me, so I don't know all the the tiny details. Uh, But I guess it shows that uh, consumer spending is stronger. It rose for a fourth straight month in July, bolstered by stronger income gains. So if you believe that, then, well, how could we have disappointing retail sales and sluggish growth figures? (laughs) You'd think that consumer spending would be pushing those along the way, and you would think that they would all kind of, you know, at least fall into the same realm of possibilities, but... um, Friday, the the payroll report comes out, the employment report. So, um, um, and it's interesting now is because, you know, everybody wants inflation. We've got it. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, we, we, you and I debate that all the time. I disagree with you. We have inflation here. It's difficult for people to make ends meet as it is. uh, But yet you want the Federal, Federal Reserve wants more inflation and more inflation the kind that they're asking for really isn't the good kind. I mean, it's really going to hurt people's ability to continue to spend as they spend. I don't think it's always a, a reflection on greater income. And uh, so, you know, I, I think the greater inflation that we have is going to be based on our fiat currency. And um, so, again, it's, you know, they're just struggling. They're grasping uh, for that uh, straw. Uh-huh. I've got an article here from The Motley Fool that is paralleling what you're talking about, which is diminished spending, or at least you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And the headline is, the average American household carries this much in credit card debt. How do you compare? It says, based on CardHub's data, the average credit card debt per household 
when the U.S. hit $7,879 in the fourth quarter of 2015. It's the highest level since the first quarter of 2009, when it was 7,887, and very close to the point at which credit delinquencies and charge-offs proved proved unsustainable during the Great Recession. Now, this this is interesting stuff because they go on, they say, in fact, Card Hub, Card Hub pinpoints U.S. households as being an average of less than $500 away from unsustainable credit debt levels. All right? We are on the first, first they say that we are at a, at the highest level since 2009, which is uh, pretty much in the midst of the Great Recession. Our current our current sum of eight seven thousand eight hundred seventy nine average per household, highest level since the first quarter of two thousand nine seven thousand eight hundred eighty seven. We can assume that during the Great Recession, people were forced to rely on their credit cards in order to get by. This is there. We have to wonder: Are people relying on their credit cards to get by right now um, because things aren't as good as the People in uh, Washington and the Federal Reserve would have us believe. And then they go on to say, Card Hub pinpoints U.S. households as being an average of less than $500 away from unsustainable credit debt levels. Now, that's an extraordinary sentence because it implies that the average American can't go more than another $500 into credit card debt without being pushed over the line and into default. And then the article goes on and it says, now think about where your family's current credit card debt situation stands next to that 7879 average per household. It's not a question. I don't care where your credit card debt level stands. What's important, is it true that you can't go more than another $500 into credit card debt without being forced to default? Is that true? Because it implies that the average American, even with a credit card, can't really afford to go out and buy another $1,000 flat-screen TV. It implies that if you want to be selling anything in this economy and you're depending on and you're hoping people will pay for it with a credit card, on average, the price of your product should be less than $500 because that may be as far as the average household can go deeper into credit card debt. Um, uh, it, this is this is strange. I mean, it, I'm reading the I'm I'm reading the sentence again. It's that in fact, Card Hub pinpoints U.S. households as being an average of less than five hundred dollars away from unsustainable credit debt levels. I didn't write that. I'm just reading it, and it implies that they're telling me. I mean, if I'm understanding that correctly, there's only Average Americans only got another 500 bucks before he's maxed out on his credit card and maybe pushed to a level where he's going to be forced to default. Now, that's a pretty thin margin, right? And it does not bode well for the economy. It does, I mean, it's one of the things you look at and you say, holy cow. I mean, this isn't, we hear these stories about people who don't have, they can't come up with four or $500 cash in the event of an emergency. And some significant per- percentage of the population falls into that classification. I don't remember. It's 30, 40 percent. Can't come up with an extra. They don't have, they don't have four or five hundred dollars. But 
cash. <clears throat> now we're so on. Maybe they may be the same, roughly the same thing may be true with credit cards. On average, lots of people still have good credit, but some people have, you know, some people don't. We're talking about averages here, but just the same. That's true to me. That's scary. It says we are on the edge of something, and all of a sudden they're going to start defaulting on their credit cards. It's almost certain to start happening. It's all. It's probably happening right now to some extent, although it hasn't reached the average. It's down on the one end of the bell curve of the people that are having a problem with credit. They're already defaulting, of course, but. Average, good grief. You know, what's different so much than, you know, back to 2008, 2009, prior to the, the Great Recession, is everyone knew that the credit lines were being, the ones that were being established, were ever, we knew that people were over their heads. We knew their adjustable rates were coming due, and a lot of them would be screwed and be losing their homes because uh, they didn't count on. We knew that jobs were were tight and jobs were beginning to be lost. When we could see it coming, we saw it as it was happening and so forth. This is a little bit different because this is like a quiet sort of approach to a recession. because, you know, if you use these numbers, that there's, we're only $500 away Average. from things to be defaulted on, um, it's like, what are they, we don't seem to hear about the credit lines. We don't seem to, it's like a little bit more of a quiet recession, but yet I think this will be the biggest recession that will outpace anything that we've seen in the past. I agree. And uh, we don't have the uh, jobs uh, you know, the, the quality of jobs aren't there or the wages aren't there th- that we had back in 2008. There is a difference. There is a different feel to the economy. There isn't a you don't feel the energy uh, from the economy that things are flying and things are great and so forth. So, you know, when you hear the numbers from the government, oh, everything is great and dandy. Well, if everything's were great and dandy, we'll go back to what I was talking about that uh uh, you know, how can consumer spending be stronger when, you know, our, you know, our retail sales are lower? And so the numbers just, uh, you know, well, the, the numbers just sales, don't match. Again, that idea is is consistent with the observation yeah. that the average credit card person only has another 500 bucks, bucks to go. before he's maxed out and maybe pushed into where, he fall, where he's forced to default. But you can always depend on the U.S. of A consumer. The American consumer, you can always depend on them. I don't think um, you can. And I think I think you've made a nice observation that this recession, which we may be in or approaching, this is different from the one in five th- in, in, in uh, 2008, nine, whatever. We get into that recession with a certain amount of optimism. We had a full head of steam on. We'd been making money in the real estate business. We'd had, you know, that began to crumble. But there was optimism that, all right, we'd go into a recession. We'd be done with it in six months or a year, and we'd be back in the, in the game. We've now had eight years of essentially stagnation. And I don't think we have any optimism right now. And I think that's the explanation. That may be part of the reason why people, why we're coming into this quietly. Nobody's just pushing and shoving and, come on, let's get in and have that recession. Get over with it so I can get it over with so I can make some more money. We are not anticipating making more money. We're not optimistic about this. And I don't think the government can easily sell us another dose of happy days are here again. I think the public has lost its optimism. And I think that's a big, that's a significant loss. 
the Federal Reserve tells us that the essence, the fundamental element for our fiat currency is public confidence. Well, this idea of public optimism is not far removed from the concept of public confidence. Mm -hmm. What happens when we don't have any optimism that we are moving into next year is going to be? What's, what happens when we don't believe is, that next year is going to be better? I think what it is, number one, we never left the previous recession. Oh, I agree. You know, I mean, we're still there. And uh, But I think everyone, I think the reason, because it's also quiet, people might be out there spending and so forth, but I think everybody's waiting for that other shoe to drop. Everybody knows it's coming. Uh, they're going to still continue to live their lives. They're going to continue to, you know, go to all the movies, go to, you know, do whatever they have to do and pretend that everything is okay. But I think deep down, and I think a lot, this election has perhaps brought a maybe more of a sense of realization that that shoe is going to be dropping fairly quickly here. And uh, maybe that's why, uh, because everybody is cautious. Everybody, I mean, they continue to do what they do, but yet they speak. Well, you know, you know, maybe things aren't as good as what, you know, we're told that is. So, um, you know, maybe we are, everyone is waiting for that other shoe to drop. Well, I think you're right about that. It's election. not going to be a shoe. It's going to be a boot. <laughs> Yeah, as long as it's not a piano, that's what they do in the Roadrunner cartoons. Yeah. They drop a piano. Um, but I think you're right about uh, people waiting for the other shoe to drop and the impact that this election has had. I think it is unfortunate. I started out being completely, hey, hooray for Trump and the rest of that sort of thing. He has proved to be something of an embarrassment. Hillary's a crook. I don't know what, I don't know what Donald Trump is. But I'm going to vote. I'm going to support Trump just because I'm not going to support Hillary. But Trump is disappointing. And I think this is a situation here. We are facing an American election. And the best we can do is get a crook and some kind of a carnival bark to run for the presidency. And it does not inspire optimism, confidence. It does not say, yay, we're America. You know, I can remember when we were the strongest country on earth and everybody was proud of that. We're the richest country on earth. Everybody was proud and optimistic. Well, I, you know, I mean, not everybody, but the vast majority of people, yeah, this was a great country. Now you look at things like this election and it becomes an indictment. It's not cause for optimism. It may be that we're going to get, it may be that whoever gets wins the election. Maybe it turns out they do something good for this country. It may yet happen. But I don't think many people are counting on that or expecting it. Um, I think we all understand to some degree, and, it, and the election makes it clear. It's not just where a shoe's going to drop, it's not really where we have a good choice. It's a question of recognizing that we are screwed, all right? We have played the fool for a couple of generations. We've allowed government to get get away with things that they should never even have tried to get away with. But we've gone along with the program, and now we've painted ourselves into that corner, and we are not going to get out of this thing painlessly, quickly. It was good times getting into this mess, but now, you know, it's like getting drunk. You know, I really enjoyed all that beer, but I'm not too crazy about I don't think I'm going to enjoy the hangover. You know, and what? it's kind of, and that's where we are right now. We're facing a point where we're going to have to take our medicine. 
and it's not cause for celebration. I like. I am going to be optimistic, and I came into this election with Donald Trump kind of just the opposite of you. You were yay, yay, and I was nay, nay. And now I'm becoming to the point where, you know, I, I hear him on two different, you know, one minute I, I'm there, yeah, go, <laughs> go. It's like, yeah, we're going to kick butt and all that. And then, you know, the next time I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, it's not going to be. And then a little bit of realization comes in, and I understand. I forget that I understand who runs things, who controls things, you know, the president anymore. Is he the true president of the United States, or is he, you know, a figurehead of the United States? Have we gone to a point in time where, yeah, they'll let him do a certain, a few things, or will he actually go in there and, and expose? If he wants to do something and they're not going to let him do it, will he expose them? And well, the one thing about I'm not so sure he will, but I don't know. I mean, Trump is the only one, to my mind, that might do something right. Yeah. Yes. I don't expect anything good to come out of Hillary. If exactly. Hillary's elected, exactly. I'm going to view, look at it as divine judgment saying, all right, you SOBs, now you're going to pay. Well, while we wait to find out how much we have to pay, if anything, let's take a break for some commercials. Melody and I will be back on financial survival in just a moment. Please stay tuned. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, it has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. 
Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Adisk here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. And while we were on the on the break, taking a break there, Melody and I were talking a little about the media and how open the media has become, mainstream media, in terms of just being completely biased or significantly biased against Trump and for Hillary. Uh, that is... That is the perspective that, that I have and, and Melody has on this. And they have really exposed themselves this way. What are they going to do after the election? I know, how it's shameless. They, how are they going to come back and say, okay, that was just for the election? No, they've truly exposed themselves, so that's how they do their reporting. And yeah. I, it's fast. It, it's amazing. But not, sh- not totally, you know, unaware and surprised, but it, it, it's it's... It's yep. just strange when yeah, they become so blatant. I know. You know that's the problem. Yeah, it's they... like going downtown and you then you see there's a there's a gay pride parade and all of a sudden you've never seen one before and you say, "Holy crap! Did you see?" Hey, we got a caller. All right, let's let's take the caller. But let me say one thing before we'll do before we take the caller on the media. I think one of the things that's going to happen in this election it's not just about Trump versus Hillary. It's also about the Internet as a news source versus the mainstream media. Mainstream media seems to be, seems to be uh, promoting Hillary. The Internet seems to be promoting Trump. I think one of the consequences of this election will be to discover whether the mainstream media is still relevant or, or it, whether the, the Internet has essentially overcome the mainstream media. We're going to see which, which these guys are betting everything kind of on one side or the other. And depending on who wins the election, we're going to find out whether the mainstream media is going to be relegated to oblivion. And I don't mean instantly. I disagree but with are they you on the, the Internet, because I think most likely you visit websites and, and news outlets who are promoting Donald Trump. So you see, you know, but if you were a supporter of Hillary and you went to various news medias, you'd go to those various. So you really don't know what the Internet is truly. Um, no, I understand one way that. It's another, an impression. So, it's a subjective impression. You know, but just so. the same, the mainstream media is showing us what they really are. The mainstream media truly is. And even so far as that happens, a lot of people are going to say, "Well, if they're just if they're just a bunch of, you know, con artists and hustlers." Um, I'm going to start looking for my news on the Internet. I'm not saying that the Internet will win, but the mainstream media might lose. I'm, I'm betting that the Internet will certainly gain credibility 
after this election more so than it has right now. All right, that, that it'll become more of a let's get our news from the mainstream media, or let's get our news from the internet. Let's forget about the mainstream media. Uh, we have Yvonne is waiting patiently for us to take his call. Hello, Yvonne. How are you doing and where you been? We haven't heard from you for a couple of weeks. Well, I just let uh, you guys talk, you know. Uh-huh. Well, somebody. Listen, you know. it's, it's better to be quiet and listen than to talk and uh, talk nonsense, you know. Well, what, what, uh, what made you decide to give, up, to, to give up your strategy and speak out in public again? Speak out. Well, a couple of things. Uh, as far as um, the local stuff going on, I agree with Melody that uh, the president really doesn't have much power. It's, it's all controlled by the cabal. And uh, uh, so, um, twiddly, twiddle, dumb. Of course, they have, uh, if you look at um, the People, I certainly would go with Trump and, and will go with Trump compared to Hillary. I mean, uh, to be a, a communistic, I mean, we are already in a communistic mode, uh, it will be even deeper, uh, more communist. But um, as far as. Do you think as, Hillary is communist or can you describe her more accurately as fascist? No, no, fascist is different. I, I live down the both, okay? I lived un- under fascist for, uh, or what you call fascist. I mean, that was, we were national socialists, and um, Slovakia was, and uh, we had the Monsignor as a president, so was, uh, you know, because Slovakia is um, 90% Catholic, or was at that time. So, uh, and we were what you know, they call fascist or, or uh, national socialist, whatever. But uh, we were nationalists. That's what the whole thing was. was uh, they, uh, she is totally communist. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, I know how communists operate because I lived under them for a few a few months, uh, not long enough, but um, till we could get out of there. And uh, so uh, she definitely, and, and Obama definitely are, are communists. So, you know, so they... Um, that they would go further left than what yeah. we are presently now. You know. but, uh, they're not going to do anything to enhance the American people's freedoms or even preserve at the level we currently have, That's for which sure. has already been diminished quite a lot, and they, they'll try to diminish it further. They're yeah, not here well, for they... the American people. They're fighting for other forces, and it's not you and me, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I agree. I mean, they, uh, they, they'll be moving against gun control, you know, the Second Amendment, oh, yeah. and then whatever other, uh, you know, silencing you um, on radios, because presently radio is, in, in bad times, radio does uh, come out um, more uh, lucid than, than the MSM, you know, mainstream media, which is just... Uh, do you think they can really shut down freedom of speech in this country without, can they do that without first destroying yeah. the Internet? No, companies do that all the time, so it's, it's not a big um, big deal for them. You know? I mean, they'll just replace the people. And if, if uh, Trump is, um, let's say, if he goes against the will of the cabal, he'll be JFK, you know. And uh, this is what uh, Kennedy tried to do. He will go against the cabal and see what happens. Okay, 
So what do you think uh, is the future of the cabal? Do you think what you're calling the cabal, do you uh, think it is omnipotent and certain to win, or do you think it's in some jeopardy? They won. They won. They control their money. They are the money, you know, they control the money. And whoever controls money, Rothschild said, uh, I control the nation. If I control the money of the nation, I'll control the nation. So that's, that's already done, and that's over with. Yeah, it's and done, it's, but it's, is it done forever? And what I mean by that, you know, the monetary system is fragile, and it's based yeah, solely on public confidence because it's just a fiat dollar. This thing isn't yeah, just, we, it's not set in concrete. It doesn't have a solid foundation. And it could fall apart in a pretty short order. And what what happens then to the cabal you're talking about? Well, they'll pull their money out of it before uh, it falls apart, and they'll hmm. they'll have it. They'll have their gold or and silver, which is they probably are hedging, you know, for that. And uh, so they they don't advertise it, and they don't um, uh, you know. But they they have their um, Safe, safety net ready, you know. So there's nothing for them to worry. It's just the little guys, the middle class, and the rest of the people that will suffer. But uh, but that's my take on that. That if if, if Trump uh, has a big uh, target on his back, if he uh, goes too far, you know, uh, without a leash, you know, and uh, if they pull their leash, there only would be. I guess he would be JFK, then that would be it. We don't use leashes anymore, Yvonne. This is uh, this is the 21st century. We use electric dog collars. Well, uh, understand? We'll give him a little electric shock to keep him well, in line. I, I don't know. It'll be a shock that uh, it just flops over. You know? It's like what they did to Kennedy. It was Oswald and all that stuff. That's a lot of cover, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of. Um, well, we hope not. But but well, I hope not either. But I'm, you know, I'm so, depends how far he goes. But depends um, how far he goes. But the other reason I called was, um, as you well know, that Turkey is invading Syria with more and more forces and um, attacking Kurds. And Kurds were friends of the U.S., but the U.S. abandoned them now. And from what I understand, there are Peshmerga forces from Iraq coming to Syria to support the Kurds against the Turks. So you'll have about uh, 50,000 Kurds fighting, uh, you know, the main army of, of Turkey. And I think that, that can be, uh, can get a little bit... Um, um, this whole thing is liable to explode in everyone's explode. face is what you're saying. Um, if we've got more soldiers coming from Iraq, if I heard you correctly, yeah. to support yeah, the Kurds that, against the changing, Turks. They are, they are changing their uniforms to the PKK, which is, or, you know, the Peshmergas are changing their uniforms, so they are part of, like, the Syrian Kurds, you know, compared to the Iraqi Kurds, you know. But they are all Kurds, so, so they are all... They should dress these players. people up like football players. They should have distinct uniforms where we can we can tell, and they got numbers on their back where we can identify who they are. Colorful oh, they helmets. Have, they have 
that's what they are doing. They are switching their their uniforms for the ones in Syria, according to um, um, Depka files in Drudge report. If you look at that, but anyway, I just want to point it out that that can be a very um, uh, explosive situation. Yeah, and U.S. pulling out. Uh, they are talking about you know they have some forces and some. Things I've already pulled, I guess, out of ISIC, uh, ISIC air, uh, you know, air, Force, air Force Base in Turkey, and all the nuclear weapons were moved out to Romania. So, uh, you know, I think the whole thing can destabilize very quickly, and uh, which will help Israel because what Erdogan wants uh, is to get a to destroy Kurds as well as Syria, get rid of Assad. And this is the same objective what Israel has. So uh, so they are going, it's going to be a double-edged sword by, you know, against Syria and Kurds by Turkey. And from what I understand, I was just listening to Press TV, and they are moving more and more tanks and armored vehicles, troops uh, into Syria. So, How do you think this is going to unfold? What do you think the ultimate result will be? Well, the, uh, what the goal is, is to destroy, is to, um, uh, destroy Syria and get rid of Assad so they can have another uh, balkanization of, um, of Syria. And uh, then uh, they can have the, what they call a greater Israel built, which is from Nile to Euphrates. Uh, and that's, uh, if you look at the um, Israeli flag, that they have two bars, you know, the two blue lines. Yep. One identifies Nile as a border, and the other one is Euphrates, uh, two rivers, are the two lines. So that do, you think, what, do you think Israel is just... I don't know, a, a, a beneficiary of what's happening down there? Oh, yeah. This is working oh, yeah. out, or do you think they are a motivator? They are, the motivator. are they making these They're things happen, or are they just say, hey, this is good? You know, it's like winning the lottery. No, I mean, they are the motivators. They study the ISIS. Uh, do you know who uh, al-Baghdadi is? Did you I don't know who you – I don't know the name as I hear you pronounce it. Al Baghdadi was well, the head of the ISIS. Okay, he, okay. They showed him preaching, uh, you know, with a golden watch. I, you know, I don't know if you've seen that video, but um, but he is uh, his real name is uh, Simon Eliot. He is of Jewish parents. So they. How do you know that? How do you know that? Because you know, we hear these things. I, you know, you can get on the internet and you can hear. I mean, some people think Michelle Obama is a man. Yes. Yeah, and there's lots of people who believe that. Yeah. And there's and video up to time that tends to support that contention, but still we are left to wonder, is this a reliable report or is, just, is this just wild fantasy? And the same thing with, is the head of ISIS really born Jewish? Well, it, it was on, on his um, Wikipedia. When you dialed, when you... 
the beach was uh, now clean, uh, swiped clean, you know, like uh, Clinton swiped uh, you know, clean there. Yeah, I understand. Uh, yeah. So trying to trying to confirm. Right, but I I confirmed it from other. I have like six different sources. I confirmed it from. I mean, I should. Right. Have, uh, but they would have cleaned it out anyway. But um, um, I'm trying to. Uh, you know, to me, what confirms a lot of this, uh, other than even some of the, the, the details, maybe not, but what confirms is because we talk about this all the time. We talk about what we're seeing in, everywhere is, is a, a spiritual battle. I mean, these people are fighting for reasons, and they have their backgrounds. They do have their their parental and where they're born, and they change their identities in order to you know, promote or to, you know, create situations along with governments. So the governments are using their beliefs and their religions and everything, so they're trying to get what they want. I mean, it truly is a mess, but yet you could very easily see and understand, you know, the, I mean, the, this has been going on for how many years? Several thousand. Thousands and thousands. Yeah. Yeah, but so it may be even older than gold is money. Yeah, but <laughs> which is saying something. I'll tell you what, though, we've got a break to take take some commercials. Yvonne, thank you for your call. Melody and I will be back on financial survival in just a moment. Please stay tuned. Aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold 
gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Adeskir with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival and to parallel or add to what our previous the discussion in the previous segment, Vignu uh, Berzinski wrote a book called The Grand Chessboard, 1997. The Grand Chessboard, American Primacy and its Geostrategic Imperative. Now, Berzinski is credited with being a central, if not the central, mastermind behind the idea of some of setting up some sort of a new world order where the United States would be a primary figure in that new world order. And in theory, it was Brzezinski's thinking that moved us into Afghanistan and into Iraq and one thing or another. Um, it, it played a big part in it, and there's a report that's come out just in the last couple of days that uh, I'm looking at a headline that says, The Broken Chessboard, Brzezinski Gives Up on Empire. And it essentially said, well, it says, here's this part, as its era of global dominance ends, the United States needs to take the lead in realigning the global power architecture. Five basic verities regarding the emerging uh, redistribution of global political power and the violent political awakening in the Middle East are signaling the coming of a new global realignment. The first of these verities is that the United States is still the world's politically, economically, and militarily most powerful entity, but given complex geopolitical shifts in regional uh, and regional balances, it is no longer the globally imperial power. Uh, What they're saying is this whole thing is going up for grabs, and he at least implies that whatever forces we've seen up until now that could be categorized as the New World Order, and Yvonne Haller in the last segment, he might call it the Cabal. Brzezinski's saying, wait a second, we've run out of gas here. We still have some stuff, but we are. This is the empire is no longer. This is no longer an imperial situation. It's kind of every man for himself. And I'm wondering what the consequences of that will be, not only in the Middle East, and maybe we're seeing the consequences of that. And the Middle East is is erupting in a very un. It's difficult to tell for sure who is who, who's on which side, and what are they fighting for. The whole thing has become a kind of madness, and maybe that's a manifestation of what Brzezinski is talking about. And he says, the bro, you know, we've got a broken chessboard, and the 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 we're gonna we're headed towards a new a global realignment. Um, what does that even mean for the United States of America? 
We've seen a police state growing in this country for probably 40 years. What's going to happen if this new world order is to some degree compromised? What if Brzezinski is right and we're going to see a global realignment? And will that affect domestic politics in this country? Will it affect whether or not people are going to be able to support the Second Amendment, or advocate gun control? And I don't have answers to these questions, but the fact that Brzezinski has shifted gears, given his his primary role in what appears to be the New World Order, uh, it, there's a bunch of questions. Uh, there are a bunch of questions that need to be considered and asked, and try, and we need to try to deduce answers to these questions, and we will over time. But I'm just saying, only point I'm making is, this thing is, this thing is, it's it's starting to shake, rattle, and roll. We're we are in a we're flying in an airplane, and it's not clear if one of the engines has fallen off. Um, we may still be able to land, but this is going to be, this is going to be some pretty freaky. Uh, this is going to be a freaky flight, and all of us need to be prepared, however we can. What do you think, Melody? Coming to the end of a, or is this going to get freakier still, or do you think good times are about to manifest? No, I don't, you know, you have to, Brzezinski, he's one of them, so he's not going to tell you what they're really going to do anyway, you know, so if they write about one thing, I don't think the cabal would ever give up. They might cut back, um, Society catches on to them. Um, you have the turmoil. You have things that are going to go on that they maybe haven't planned or, or it's not working in their manner. I mean, you have to look at this as this is a, you know, it's good versus evil, and that's going to continue no matter what. So, yeah, they're going to have to realign with, uh, you know, maybe the people in the United States are waking up a little bit. Maybe they weren't as easily taken over as what they thought they would be. Um, I don't know, but, you know, it, it could be. But I think it's, it's you know, I, I mean, I like to be positive and, and hopeful and, and, you know, all of that. But I do believe there, because of what has happened in the past up until today, there's a day of reckoning that is coming. You know, things that have been done just don't go without consequences. And I believe we will have that day of reckoning. And I do believe we're going to wake up one day to a whole different world. And it could be a number of things that changes it. Uh, and it's going to be a matter of who is there to pick up the pieces this time. And, you know, hopefully those... It's not just a question of who's there to pick up. Well, yeah. how many people? I mean, the idea behind the a New World Order is that they can pick up all the pieces. But what Brzezinski is essentially saying or implying is maybe they can't. He's saying we're going to have to content ourselves with a new realignment where some people get some of the pieces and other people get other parts of the other, another set of pieces, and the New World Order, or what passes for it today, only gets some of the pieces. Uh, um, I, you know, I, I, I believe that if they, if they break it up and they're only getting some of the pieces, you know, it's just a I believe in the past, whenever these programs and, and the quote-unquote cabal, the elites, whatever you want to call them, when they have gotten a hold on society and so forth, there was always religion that pushed them back underground. 
And, uh, you know, people began to see the evil and they pushed them back underground. Well, I think they found a way to come out and look around us. You know, Satanism in this country is, is, is increasing every single day. I mean, look at our religion in this country anymore. We're not pushing anybody back underground. Well, you know, we see things happen. Pardon? We see things happen in this country right now that I would not, I would have bet were impossible even 10 years ago. I mean, transgender bathrooms in public schools? Are you kidding me? Are you, is this this some sort of a fictional novel? But but you know how it happens. It's not just because bad guys assert themselves. It's because there is a vacuum of good guys. There's a vacuum of moral people who just stand up and say, that is a bunch of crap and it's not going to happen. I don't care what you say. It ain't happening. We don't have people like that anymore. No, we don't. Oh, that's my point. You know, you talked about the transgender bathrooms. It's like, who, who's, who's saying anything bad about it? I know. You don't hear it. Heck, you I know. don't hear the churches saying There's anything There's not even a debate. It. It's just There's taken for granted. Debate. And it's like, hey, okay, you know what? You guys want your own bathroom? Create the own bathroom for you guys. But hey, listen, get a, po- get a porta potty. Get a porta potty and stick it out in the, stick it out in the parking lot. I mean, Get for two months, or three of them. I don't care. None of the population, but you don't hear anybody, you know. And and it's just like we've seen this for time and time again. You know, let's take, you know, let's take this out of the schools. Let's take this and out of the schools, and let's take this out of the schools. Let's no more prayer. No more, you know, no no more flags. Go Nobody fights for what. No, there is no one here to fight for something like a moral. No. foundation nobody's really trying to preserve it or if they are there's no leadership trying to preserve it all right it may be that the ordinary a lot of ordinary people agree with what i'm saying and that's they're not surprised by it but how many congressmen can you can you point to who say we're fighting we're with you i mean there was a time when we talked about the moral majority in this country right now could we say there's a moral majority there is perhaps a moral minority and an immoral or amoral majority. And when we don't have that moral foundation, again, it creates a vacuum. It creates an opportunity for, for people that advocate things that are simply insane by historic standards. And yet they just walk right in. It just happens. No problem. It's the sort of thing that strikes a certain amount of causes, raises Fear, anxiety in the, heart, in the hearts of people that, that tend to be moral. They're saying, how could this happen? What has gone wrong? Well, part of it, I think, is the moral majority is simply one way or another has been cowed into silence and perhaps even dumbed down to where they don't appreciate the value of their culture, their morality. They don't realize how important it is to maintain that. We've had Bill Clinton saying it's the, it's the economy, stupid. And that worked for him, got him elected. But maybe it's not the economy. Maybe it's the nation. Maybe what really counts is not whether you get another stack of $100 bills, but whether you are a moral person and your children are moral people and that you hang on to some notion of right and wrong and not just profit and loss. And you know We've what? Mo- I- Go ahead. And you know, Al, you, you talk about morals, you talk about there's no one there to fight for it and so forth, you know, but schools and so forth. Well, just what you're saying is true. And I'm going to bring that back 
to our finances. I'm going to bring that back to our banking system. I'm going to bring that back to Wall Street. I'm going to bring that back to the ladies and gentlemen that are listening to the program, to the money that you have in the banks, to the money that you have in your pension plans, your retirement account. Do you believe that someone is going to protect you from losing what you have? Some immoral, amoral person. I mean, we're getting ready to perhaps elect a gangster to the to the presidency. All right. And do you think that gangster is going to protect your wealth? You got to be crazy. This is like asking Willie Sutton to guard the bank. If you're going to give Willie Sutton keys to the bank, all you're going to do is make it easier for Willie Sutton to rob the bank. I don't know how many people still remember Willie Sutton was a big-time bank robber during the Roaring Twenties, the Great Depression, during the 1930s. And they asked him at one point, he said, why do you rob banks? He says, that's where the money is. All right? But I got this article here that's from the Wall Street Journal, and it talks about, I think this came, actually, I think Frank sent it to me, German savers lose faith in banks and they stash cash at home. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, I'd rather have gold at home than cash. But anyway, you have German savers. Their savers are leaving the security of savings banks for what many now consider an even safer place to park their cash, home safes. So Germans are socking money away in savings account. Now, just last week, we talked about how the German and go- German government came out and told them, hey, you better be prepared for an emergency. You know, get your emergency supplies there, people, your food, your water. Now you also have Germans, not only are they preparing that way, they're socking away money. They're taking money away from savings accounts. And they're putting it, they're buying these safes, and they're sticking it in these safes. Well, Japan and, uh, did something like that, too. They sold out all the safes in Japan. That would be about a year ago. Yeah. <gasps> But everybody was buying a safe to keep their cash in because they were going to impose negative interest rates. And you know what? That's, it just baffles me because these are countries that understand gold. They're countries that understand what has happened in their history. They understand that those that they've held on to currencies that have been devalued, but yet they decide to hold on to that currency. <laughs> it's just like, okay. you know. So, folks, convert those dollars because they're going to be – they're going to lose – a lot of the rest of the value that they have left, which is very little. They've already lost 95% already of their lost. value since 1971 as compared to gold. I mean, it doesn't take. That's a trend, folks. <laughs> when something loses 95% of its value over a course of 40-odd years, there's a real good chance it's going to lose the other 5% of its value over the course of the next several years. It's a trend. It's a fundamental. Because, oh, they're going to change now, and the dollar is going to become more valuable. No, it's not. All right, we may see a little brief episode of deflation, but the long term, and I don't even mean long term, we're not talking 20 years from now. I don't see how the dollar can survive another five years. I don't see it. It could go down at any time, any moment. So you look at these things and you say to yourself, you know, we're looking at fundamental forces here. You can draw some conclusions. You don't have to believe me or Melody or anyone else, and you shouldn't. You should believe your own eyes and ears and say, you know, they're right. We've had 95% of the value has been wiped out. What makes anyone think they're not going to, they don't intend to knock out the other 5% of the value? The implications are obvious. Get yourself, uh, get yourself ready 
and get rid of that paper because it's going to lose that last 5% of value. I don't know over the course of the next several months, several years, who knows? But bet now. You know, now's the time to place your bet. We're almost out of time. Melody and I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank Yvonne for his phone call. And we want to thank Frank, the producer, for producing the show. And other than having said that, hope you will tune in again tomorrow. And in the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, and Yvonne. Bye. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? And still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. 
What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Fighting soldiers from the sky. Fearless men who jump and die. Men who mean just what they say. The brave men of the Green Beret. Silver wings upon their chest. These are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today. But only three when the Green Beret... Well, all of you, welcome to American Voice Radio. Here we are back with Moon Day. And uh, it's been an exciting uh, weekend. When you look and see the times of Lot and the times of Noah, you can almost uh, see where we are road sign-wise today. Pretty exciting. Anyway, if you sprang forward like you're supposed to yesterday, uh, it uh, is fine. You're listening to the program, no problem. Uh, Otherwise, you um, may be off time. Uh, Yesterday was the day to spring forward, which means you had to add an hour. It means you got an hour less sleep. And uh, we got this week, uh, Thursday, 17th, St. Patrick's Day. That's pretty important. That's the reason I mention it, because uh, in Japan, as all of you who breathe air and are upon the earth today uh, probably know, they had uh, one of the worst recorded earthquakes, 8. Nine, and uh, which they only go up to ten. And for Japan, it is the worst thing that has happened to them since World War II, uh, when we bombed uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. This involves uh, nukes, just like it uh, involved weapons-grade nuclear weapons. Uh, being dropped at uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which ended the war. But uh, this concerns three of uh, Japan's nuclear reactors. Now, the Japanese have been very careful. 
because of their sensitivity uh, and feelings about nuclear power. But uh, being modernized and all this, uh, they have nuclear power and benefiting from it, except when you are in earthquake-prone areas, it can disturb the system that it takes to run a nuclear power plant. Now, let me say, first of all, because uh, I had an email uh, from uh, you. I got your email out from Nebraska and uh, about Ranger, the the chicken herd dog, and uh, people were putting out the fact that when the uh, radiation cloud approached America that uh, we were all supposed to take uh, this iodine-type uh, medication that would help us uh, be resistant to radiation. Well, I told our listener, uh, don't take the stuff. She had some old stuff that she had bought at a probably a preparedness expo or something. She Her question was, Bo, uh, you know, should I uh, give this to Ranger? I don't want anything to happen you know, to uh, her border collie. And, hey, if I had a border collie, I'd give him the medicine first if I thought that I only had enough to protect one of us. But there isn't going, there is not. Let me put it this way. We don't know what's going to happen because this 8.9 is just an incredible power uh, that has... uh, split Japan, uh, torn apart some of her nuclear uh, reactors, and placed uh, probably upwards of 10,000 people uh, estimated dead. Now, let me say that as it stands right now, there is no threat to America. People that are putting out about this nuclear cloud, which is sort of uh, Chernobylish, and if you go back uh, to April the 26th, uh, 1986, there was a Ukrainian uh, location, and it was known as Chernobyl, which means wormwood in Russian. And, of course, there's a reference to Wormwood in the Bible with reference to the end times. And uh, Chernobyl exploded, and they had to move like uh, 300,000 people. There was a nuclear cloud that went up. But uh, most of it fell uh, on Belarus and, and the, you know in in this area, there was some distribution of uh, nuclear uh, activity uh, in Europe, but not in the United States. Now that is what has been called that was a level seven, as I recall, uh, on the scale of nuclear disaster. Well, America has had, uh, you know, our own history of nuclear uh, disasters. And so, first of all, let me tell all of you, 
Right now, as it stands, no danger to anyone in the United States from nuclear fallout. And so people putting this out are those kinds of people uh, who want to push the panic button uh, on Patriot Radio so they can probably sell you something. Now, in Japan right now, the panic button is uh, pushed, and all the water's gone, all the food. Now, Tokyo is south of where this activity is taking place in the northeast and uh, somewhat on the northwest part of the island nation of Japan. Tokyo uh, is about uh, halfway up uh, the island. Well, where this nuclear incident has happened is up north and east primarily of Tokyo. Tokyo has had uh, really no earthquake or nuclear uh, reaction. So people in the United States seem to be more spooked uh, than people in Tokyo. But (laughs) the people in Tokyo have stripped, and this is what happens under any emergency. So this is why you should have a year's supply of food. I I can't sell it to you. I don't have it. I'm just telling you what you need to have. You need to have a 72-hour pack that you can throw in your vehicle. Hey, in my rocket and my old Cessna, I have a survival pack that I wouldn't dare take off uh, without. Uh, it's like in Alaska. Only it can happen anywhere. And so if you wait until something happens, then all of a sudden, all water's gone. You should have water stored, and of course you probably should uh, refresh it from time to time. You need a year's supply of food, as I say. You need first aid materials. You need a radio with batteries and this kind of stuff, because right now, even in Tokyo, they are shutting uh, down power because uh, they have lost tremendous amounts of power normally supplied through their nuclear reactors, which right now Tokyo and all the Japanese people that are on that island are scared to death about, and when I say scared to death, I mean it. There's a case, because what happened was there was an 8.9 earthquake. That is almost off the scale. With it came a tsunami. Now, the tsunami was only figured at three uh, meters. Now, a three-meter, I mean, you know, a meter is 39.37 inches, which means you got about a 10-foot wave that comes up. Well, you think, uh, geez, 10-foot isn't much. But when you have the whole ocean behind a 10-foot swell, it goes these uh, little uh, quaint, wonderful uh, seaside communities that uh, basically are level, so it makes it very desirable to be on, uh, on the ocean there. These tsunamis just reach in like a giant 
a blob. And because it's not, it's like a hurricane rather than versus a tornado. And it just washes up and takes everything. Houses, buses, people, trees, you name it. It just reaches out there like a giant blob and just brings everything out in the ocean. One guy was rescued yesterday who was almost 10 miles out at sea. Friends, that's a long way. And he was riding the top of his house, the roof, the tsunami. His wife uh, is missing, presumed dead. But he was on top of the roof, rode it as the tsunami, drug everything back out into the ocean, was finally uh, rescued 10 miles out. It gives you an idea of the tremendous power. Now, something, let me uh, focus just for a moment uh, on uh, America. We have 104 of these nuclear power plants. Now, uh, that is a tremendous number. Most of them. I'm talking about uh, there may be a dozen. Well, there's probably not even a dozen. Uh, there's only a few west of the Rocky Mountains. And there's only a few in uh, what we call the Midwest or you know, down here like in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, there's nothing there. But on the East Coast is where... Uh, most of these nuclear power plants are located, almost a hundred of them. And uh, they have a lot of people. That's where most of the people are, except in California. <laughs> now, uh, we have, so we got 104 nuclear power plants. We have had a history, you go back to uh, March 28th, in 1979, wow, see, that was uh, seven years before Chernobyl. And in a place called Middletown, Pennsylvania, there was a loss of coolant. Now, what happens? You have these nuclear uh, rods, these uranium rods, and, uh, of course, uh, they uh, are very hot. And so the whole idea of a nuclear power plant is that you have coolant. Now, the rods uh, are kept under control so they don't melt down uh, by the coolant. And the rods uh, are, are so hot that uh, steam is created, which turns a turbine, which uh, puts out electrical power. Now, the, the catch-22 to this whole thing is that it takes power to keep the coolant at the proper levels, because if these rods uh, begin to be exposed if the coolant levels aren't able to be maintained, uh, 
uh, by. It takes power to keep uh, the coolant uh, in there and to keep these rods under control. They, there will be ex- an explosion. Now, what's happened in Japan, there's been two hydrogen explosions because this is a product. These rods are exposed. Now, they lose power. Now you don't have any power to pump the coolant in. What they do is, and that's why you look at the East Coast, uh, they are slammed with nuclear power plants because Right now, in Japan, we're uh, up north of Tokyo, where these, this event northeast is taking place. They are uh, putting seawater right there on the ocean. They're putting seawater uh, straight into uh, where these uh, power rods are. Now, let me give you the absolute worst scenario. They cannot maintain that let's say you lose all power let's say you start getting far behind you're dealing with something that uh, has an extremely long half-life you're dealing with something that uh, is a will kill you by this radiation and uh, your radiation isn't just a flash exposure Uh, It is a cumulative-type thing. Now, power rods, and I'm not going to get away. I'm coming back to Middletown, Pennsylvania at uh, the Three Mile Island accident. But I I kind of do this by divine inspiration. It pops in my mind. So I need to explain to you uh, one reason that we don't have to worry about a nuclear glowing cloud dropping uh, radioactive debris over the United States is that these power rods are only enriched to, and see, this is what we were all over Iran about. Oh, they're going to enrich, and, uh, you know, these uh, Iran is saying, we're going to build a nuclear power plant. And we're saying, oh, they're going to enrich them to weapons-grade uranium. Well, weapons-grade is above 60%. And weapons-grade, you get something like what the U.S. has got and uh, Russia and and probably Israel, uh, because they got whatever we got, we give them. Uh, You're looking at 95% of enrichment. This is weapons grade. Now, the stuff that they're using to produce nuclear power is only enriched up to like four six four two six. That means F O U R, not forty six, because uh, that would be extremely rich. But it is only like four percent enriched, which means that. While it is deadly, it is local, and it's very low when compared uh, to weapons-grade uranium, for example. So, the very worst thing that can happen is for there to be no coolant, and these rods 
are exposed. Now, the rods are so hot that they melt, and they are so hot that there's nothing that can actually contain them, and they actually melt right uh, into the earth. Now, question. How do you clean this stuff up? Because now it is exposed. Now it is irradiating. Uh, Right now, you see, they have a 20-kilometer area, which, uh, you know, there's five miles for every eight kilometers. So when you look at uh, 20 uh, clicks, uh, then you've got uh, almost, we got about 14 miles. They have cleared an area 14 miles around because they don't know. They are working. They're hollering for help from the United States. How do they, when they have lost power, how do they keep the the coolant, which has got to be pumped in to keep these rods uh, flooded so that they don't overheat and melt? Because if they melt down, see, that is the definition of a meltdown. If these rods melt down, they go into the earth's crust. And, friend, you tell me how you going to clean them up. I mean, you heard of Red Adair and how he uh, fights uh, you know, the, the oil wells, and that's, you think, boy, that's a heck of a job. Well, and you look at, uh, at British Petroleum and the big spill that we had out here in the Gulf, and you say, man, that was one heck of a, of a job. Friends, that is kindergarten. That is nothing to something like a nuclear uh, power. And there are several of these generating uh, areas that are within a single plant. One of these generating areas uh, goes down, and you know, without power, let's say they and they have like three generating areas. Now you have start having explosions, which again put up a very low grade. Uh, but what happened is this. Uh, and again, if these things come to mind, uh, I'm going to blurt them out to you. Uh, we have the USS Ronald Reagan aircraft. We got two aircraft carriers. Well, uh, one is uh, this area, as I've told you, Japan is a real long island nation that runs basically north-south. And so Tokyo sort of in the middle on the east coast. Now, right above Tokyo, up there, uh, more just a little more than 100 kilometers, you've got this area. Well, the wind is was blowing uh, out toward sea. Well, that is where our ships are. <laughs> and so they found that a helicopter crew uh, was irradiated. This is an American 17-man helicopter unit that was doing rescue work uh, they uh, it 
the bird flew through a plume of radiation that was emitted uh, from this one area as a result of the explosion. And so the crew comes in. They don't know. You don't feel anything uh, right off the bat. But, uh, of course, radiac machines detect what uh, is the current radiation that uh, is flowing. And dosimeters, they record the cumulative. Because let's say you're around something that is putting out 10 rads. That's the unit of radiation. Now, if you're there for 10 hours, now it's cumulative. So you have 100 rads. Well, 300 rads kills you. So three days after you've been in this area that seems to be all right, uh, you now have radiation poison to the point that you're dead. Well, they have washed down, uh, scrubbed off our 17 airmen, but they have moved the U.S. Uh, war vessels away from downwind. It's not good to be downwind. And so, God be praised. Uh, you know, we, we have, I'm one of them, uh, we have many officers that have been through uh, what is called a nuclear, biological, chemical warfare school. And uh, they teach you how uh, to estimate uh, fallout. And a matter of fact, it's classified, but uh, you have templates. Well, I, I'm just, I'm glad that our war vessels have moved to be out of downwind fallout, but why were they ever in that area in the first place? You've got uh, probably uh, two dozen officers aboard the USS uh, Ronald Reagan that are fully qualified. They should have those uh, templates out. They should have been measuring they got to have those dosimeters up. They got to have the radiac machines out there. And you tell the captain, sir, we here is the plot. We are in the downwind fallout area. You need to get this vessel out of here now and take all the support vessels, anybody you care about, you take them with us and we get out of here. Well, they waited until, of course, uh, the 17 men were decontaminated. Now we've moved. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a pause. We'll come right back. We'll give you more information about what is going on and what concern you should have here in America. Stay with American Voice Radio's Freedom Call.
and your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer, sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Americans for Immigration Control is a leading national organization dedicated to reasonable levels of legal immigration and effective enforcement to stop illegal immigration. With more than 250,000 members and supporters nationwide, we are an effective voice for immigration reform. AIC stands up in Washington for the views of most Americans on immigration. We are the leaders in stopping recent legislation to reward 10 million or more illegal aliens with legal status and eventual citizenship. The late Georgia Congressman Charlie Norwood had this to say about us. AIC has earned a reputation among members of Congress as one of the most active and responsive advocacy groups in the field of immigration. Join AIC today. For more information, go to our website, immigrationcontrol.com. That's immigrationcontrol.com or call 540-468-2023. That's 540-468-2023. your cell phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now.
back with you on American Voice Radio. You're exactly where you ought to be. And uh, this is Freedom Call. My name is Bo Greitz. I always uh, seem to forget, maybe not always, but I too often I forget to uh, tell you who I am. I'm interested in, uh, in, in briefing you. I got one hour uh, to brief you as much as I can. And as uh, as an intelligence officer and as an educator, you know, I, I want to fill your glass right to the top uh, with the time that I have. And so, gee, many I've covered uh, Chernobyl and uh, all kind of stuff. I've told you, if you if you don't trust anybody, which is not a bad idea, then because uh, see, the governments are going to lie to you, aren't they? Do you think the government of Japan is telling the truth about the uh, totality of this emergency up there? It's leaking out. I'm not talking about radioactivity. I'm talking about the truth is leaking out, uh, just like uh, the radioactivity. And so if there is a meltdown, as I was telling you, this is the, this is the hellfire and brimstone uh, of uh, uh, the time of Lot, <laughs> you had that old area. Abraham uh, went up there. Remember, a couple of angels. They were going to get Lot and uh, his wife, and uh, they all uh, uh, the lifestyle at that time. It seems like was uh, pronounced uh, homosexuality, and so they, meaning the population of Sodom and Gomorrah, they were demanding. Remember, Lot was going to give up his daughter for crying out loud, because here you got these angels of the Lord, which got to be archangels, and you don't want to shove them around, but here these people are, I mean, reading the Bible, they it they are so vicious. They bust into Lot's house. They demand we want these, and here's Abraham. Abraham, you know, he's done whipped his uh, his waiting wildcats more than once. Remember, they stole Lot. <laughs> he be uh, run these kings down. They all paid him tribute and this kind of. I mean, Abraham was nobody to mess with, and so uh, uh, it was awful. And then hellfire and brimstone comes. Let me tell you what hellfire and brimstone in the 21st century is. It's a meltdown by, and do you know, remember, read what the Bible says about the the life in the rivers, the life in the sea that uh, is all of a sudden uh, everything is, I mean, it's full of blood and death. Well, how... And you say to yourself, my goodness, how could that happen? Let me tell you, let me tell you what's going on up there in Japan right now. See, this is early stages. Uh, Nothing nuclear just goes away. The half-life, and this is the way that you deal uh, with with nuclear materials. It has a half-life. And the half-life can be as much as 25,000 years. You hear me? That means that it is now half as deadly as it was 
friends, are you understanding the how serious this uh, nuclear business is when we start messing with this? When we're dealing with half lives that go for hundreds, thousands of years, and that's just a half life, and you couldn't. And again, remember that uh, nuclear radiation is cumulative. Now, there's two things. If you don't trust anybody, there's two things that you should have. And you know, my, uh, I tell you, <laughs> I can't uh, hang on to them because they keep getting put in garage sales. It's probably like the nuclear fallout templates on the USS Ronald Reagan. See, since the Cold War is over and now uh, we don't worry much about uh, the Russians uh, dropping nukes on us, what happens to these fallout templates? Well, after a while, the plastic uh, gets hard, starts to crack, turns yellow. You know, I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if aboard the USS Ronald Reagan, which is not that old, that uh, they don't even know where the nuclear fallout uh, templates are. I say, what? Jeez, didn't that go out uh, with the, you know, with the Corvette uh, Thunderbird era back in the fifties? Uh, well, let me, uh, so, whoa, I was going to tell you what you need. You need a radiac machine. Now, I probably got a couple of them around my house here. The radiac machine tells you what is the current activity of any nuclear radiation, like it may be uh, 10 rads. Now, in itself, as I've just mentioned to you, 10 rads is nothing. If you're driving through it, the helicopter crew that flew through the plume, let's say they picked up 10 rads. That's You can wash, you can scrub that stuff off, and they probably, uh, it'll be like John Wayne and the crew that all died of cancer that was up here during the Saddam series. When I say mean up here, I'm talking about lost wages. Just up north of lost wages is the test range where they did the Saddam series of underground nuclear blasts. And John Wayne was at, uh, in between uh, lost wages and, uh, and St. George, Utah. They were doing a movie and, uh, gosh, the army uh, miscalculated the wind. So they went ahead, they fired this thing, and whoosh, there goes the fallout cloud heading towards uh, this area where you got people, cattle, sheep, and everything's dead now. Uh, but th this shows you the nature of radiation. Ten rads is one thing. But nuclear radiation is cumulative. So, 10 rads, and if you remain in that area, now becomes 20 rads, 30 rads, 40. When it gets up to 300, you are dead person walking. Now, you can get 300 rads by being in a real hot area. 
And so let's say our helicopter crews say, wow, we got to go in and rescue these guys we see that are running around down here right where this last explosion has occurred. Friends, it could be a 300 red area. Those people you see running around are dead people. It may take them a little while to die, and it's a horrible death by radiation. I mean, look at the Japanese after Hiroshima and Nagasaki that were there, and those were air bursts, which were minimum uh, in radiation. What you got now in uh, Japan, these anything that goes off is on the ground, which means if you watch the... Uh, the video recordings of the blast that occurs up there at the Japanese uh, nuclear plant, you can see all this debris goes up, and then you can just see it. It's like tons of earth, uh, only it's all like dirt, not dust, but like dirt. What do you think about that dirt? You think that you're going to glow in the dark? Now, when that dirt uh, hit goes down, see, that is far worse than an explosion in the air where the fireball does not touch the earth. There, you don't have the radiation. But you have radiation where you have debris, like dust. So the fireball touches the ground, now it's hot. Well, both at Nagasaki and at Hiroshima, those were air bursts. And what we have uh, in Tokyo right now are surface bursts. The only one thing worse than that, that's subsurface burst. But again, if the stuff melts down because you don't have power to keep uh, the flooding the coolant over the power rods, and it melts down. Question, what happens to groundwater? How far, how extensive is this? Uh, when you, again, look at Chernobyl, you see they had to move 300,000 people and uh, Chernobyl was bad news. That was 1986. Let's jump back up here to uh, Middletown, Pennsylvania. It's March 28th. It's 1979. Loss of coolant. Now, that's what happened. All of a sudden, the engineers uh, there at Three Mile Island, they look and say, whoa, wait a minute, uh, because the coolant on the rods, they're losing it. And now the rods are so hot that no, there is no metal. It just melts. Well, loss of coolant, partial core meltdown. That's what happened. And so uh, it uh, costs an estimated $2.5 billion just to... Uh, Try to clean that place up. And the truth is, if you take a radiac meter, uh, any place like you're still going to find hot zones because of these extreme half-lives. 
March 9, 1985, Athens, Alabama. Uh, instrumentation system malfunctions during startup, which leads to the suspension of operation at all three Browns Ferry units. Two billion dollars. All right, April 11th, 1986. That's uh, wow. See, they're just the same. It was April 26th at Chernobyl, and so at Plymouth, Massachusetts, uh, recurring equipment problems. You got an emergency shutdown of Boston's Edison Pilgrim nuclear power plant. Billion dollars. March 31st, 1987, Delta, Pennsylvania. You notice what's happening? These are all on the East Coast. <laughs> that's because that's where they got most of. I mean, America, how many nuclear power plants do we have? 104. Where uh, there's a, a dozen that, well, there's even less than that. West of the Rocky Mountains, there's only a few. That's why I live over here. <laughs> all right, now... Uh, December 19, 1987, Lycoming, New York, malfunctions force Niagara, Mohawk Power Corporation shut down Nine Mile Point. February 20th, 1996, Waterford, Connecticut, leaky valve forces shutdown of Milestone Nuclear Power Plant. September 2nd, 1996, Crystal Island, Florida. Balance of plant equipment malfunction forces shut down and extensive repairs of Crystal River. February 16, 2002. Hey, you see all of the incidents we have in America? How many of you are aware of all this stuff? The government doesn't like to report this. This is not good. Anyway, Crystal River, Florida. Uh, okay. Uh, February 16, 2002, Oak Harbor, Ohio. Severe corrosion, see there, people won't look, of control rod forces 24-month outage of the Davis-Bessey reactor. February 1st, 2010. How long ago was that? <laughs> Vernon, Vermont, deteriorating underground pipes from the Vermont Yankee nuclear power plant leak radioactive into groundwater supplies. Oh, boy. You guys know about that up there in Vermont? Anyway, uh, it is a catastrophic event. Japan doesn't know, and they won't know. They're estimating $35 billion in damages uh, we don't know. And, and again, this nuclear stuff doesn't just go out like a fire. This nuclear stuff keeps cooking and gets worse. And how are you going to stop it? Even if people rush in there and expose themselves to almost instant death, uh, trying to, uh, I mean, what do you do with it? Well, again, Chernobyl, you evacuate 300,000 people and uh, basically half the country. All right. Anyway, the good news is our ships are now alert to stay out of uh, the fallout area. Our 17 
U.S. helicopter crewmen, uh, they say, have been hosed down. It takes time. And that's why uh, don't take too many x-rays. That's why they put a, a lead vest on you. That's why the operator uh, gets behind uh, a lead shield. Because this radiation is cumulative. And so you say, well, that radiation machine only puts out, you know, uh, just a little tiny bit. Uh-huh. Every day. And it never goes away. It's like if you get too much sun. It's same kind of basically, same kind of, you start, it's cumulative. That radiation that you receive from being overexposed to the sun or these damn tanning machines, that is cumulative, friends. And so as I was telling you, a radiac, like I got a couple of them around here, I'll probably, after the program's over, I'll see if I can throw batteries in one of them, see if there's any uh, radio. It would only tell me what is the rate of active radiation. The dosimeter is that little badge or a little pencil. In the military, we had little pencils, a uh, pencil-like device, and it measures cumulative. How much radiation have you absorbed? That's Muy importante. Okay, but if this were weapons grade, then yes, I'd all be screaming to uh, do a lot of things, but this is not weapons grade, uh, and so this is like 4% enriched, and in all honesty, uh, they have evacuated about 100,000 people now from around uh, that area, I don't know if all Japan is going to move to Okinawa or not, but uh, the rods, they melt into the earth. Friends, you got yourself Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me give you some uh, news about what is going to actually uh, happen. Japan is the second largest holder of United States debt. So now Japan says they got $35 billion, and this they don't really know what they got right now. But let's say they start uh, selling off some of that U.S. debt or demanding that the U.S. they cash in. See, these are treasury bonds. So they so Japan uh, buys them up, gives the money to these non-federal, non-reserve banks. This whole Federal Reserve system, uh, we're a dead nation walking as far as economic, and this might be the the match that lights the fuse. China is the number one holder of debt. There's nothing major going on. China's got so many people in it. One billion three hundred million people. That, uh, but Japan, you see, much smaller. They're the second largest debt holder, which means America, uh, the American dollar, can shrink because of Japan. If they start turning in uh, these Treasury certificates, uh, this is not good. Now, uh, Japan is also what easy, the fourth largest trading partner 
Look at all the Japanese cars that everybody in the White House is driving. These cars, it means that the prices, because right now, friends, they don't have power. Even in Tokyo, which wasn't touched by the tsunami or the earthquake, basically, they are shutting off power because they have lost what they were depending upon, nuclear power. Now they're back down to other alternatives. And so it means that the Japs are going to start uh, pulling back on production, which means the prices go up. Our Dow is down. I don't know how much right now, but the Dow was down uh, like 70 points uh, when I started the program. All right, let's shift <laughs> here in the last couple of minutes. Gaddafi, you got to watch out for this bird. Gaddafi is retaking Libya. Now, right now as we speak, Hillary Clinton is uh, dining with members of the G8 in Paris, France. Now, who are the G8? They are the most industrialized nations of the world. Who does that mean? It means Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Russia, the United Kingdom, and the United States. That's the G8. Then they also have some EU. See, a lot of these guys, you know, like France, Germany, they're all part of EU anyway, but they got some EU guys in there. They're all meeting to try to decide whether or not they want to have a no-fly zone in Libya because Gaddafi is winning back his country using his air force to blast the protesters and the anti-Gaddafiites uh, so that his military can go in and wipe them up. So if we have a no-fly zone, this is like Daddy Bush you know, did uh, there in uh, before Junior Bush went in and, and uh, occupied and uh, defeated Iraq, the no-fly zone. We don't want to be part of any of this. We have right now enough going on, do we not? And so all we do is encourage communist North Korea. We, we tickle the Chinese because they see America stretched out further and further. And here we are, fooling around. Uh, and then because uh, Hillary seems to be, thinks she's president. Uh, she's speaking as if she makes the decisions. But uh, a lot of uh, France is for the no-fly zone. The uh, the Arab nations have already approved the no-fly zone. It's just who does it? Oh, the United States does it. That's who. And uh, so they're, I mean, has NATO, the North, uh, you know, does NATO have any? A business flying into Libya, into a no-fly zone, helping uh, the guerrillas against uh, Gaddafi? I don't think so. So it may end up, you know, again, here in the United States. And a lot of it depends on uh, on Miss Hillary. be interesting to keep an eye on her. She's having dinner with these guys right now. Tomorrow she goes to Egypt, and she's going to see how the Mubarak uh, thing is working out. 
And see, Egypt has a large air force. Would Egypt please fly down? Hell, they shoot themselves down trying to get back into Egypt, if it's anything like with the Israeli war. That's tomorrow. She's going to Egypt. Then she goes to Tunisia on Wednesday. The reason is because this thing started in Tunisia, so she's kind of working backwards, and it worked its way over. What started? All this protesting and overthrowing of governments. Tell you what we get if we lose people, even though he is a scoundrel, but people like Gaddafi, what you're going to get is more Islamic fundamentalism. We don't want that. All right, guys, it is Monday, and so uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow, God willing. Stay tuned, please, to American Voice Radio. These are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today, but only three when the Green Beret trained to live off nature's land, trained in combat hand to hand, men who fight by night and day, courage takes Warning, this show may be happening. The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. 
4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Worried about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com, N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Today is Monday, August 29th, 2016. It is the three o'clock hour out here on the left coast. If you're listening some other time zone, obviously you're going to have to adjust your clocks accordingly to synchronize with this show. This is a live call-in show. If you'd like to call in, the number is real simple, uh, 1-800-932-1980, or you may send an instant messenger through the new Yahoo Messenger ID of KC7AQK. Calling in is not mandatory. Thinking is, however, and we do give an exemption to those members of Media Matters, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and those government agents that are paid to listen to the show because, after all, if we required them to think, it would create a hostile work environment, and we don't want to be responsible for that. As is our want, we like to open this show with the wisdom of the ages otherwise known as the dead white guy quote. Our government has kept us 
in a perpetual state of fear, kept us in a continuous stampede of patriotic fervor with the cry of grave national emergency. Always there has been some terrible evil to gobble us up if we did not blindly rally behind it by furnishing the exorbitant sums demanded. Yet, in retrospect, these disasters never seem to have happened, seem never to have been quite real, end quote. Thank you, General Douglas MacArthur. Now, folks, today's show may seem to be all over the map, so think about what the good general has said here, and soon you will see there is a pattern to what I talk about today, and it may cause you, when you finally see the pattern, to want to throw up. We've got 23 pages in our newsletter today of things that may make you want to throw up. Your calls and instant messages, whatever else happens to come across the transom, and we will get to as much of it as possible right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. Remember, my friends, my job is very simple, to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable, and I do it the same way you can, by recognizing what questions need to be asked and how to ask them, and that's what the purpose of this show is. Today is a fifth Monday. And on Fifth Mondays, I'm save up those oddball stories that just don't fit in with the narrative that I want to present. And yes, I admit, I have a narrative myself, but at least I'm honest about it. These are stories that are important, but like I said, they, they just don't fit in elsewhere, and I didn't want to just dump them into the links of interest. So, let's get started. First Fifth Monday story. Seven harsh realities of life that millennials need to understand. You know how your host loves lists. Well, here we go. Here's a list for you, my friends. Uh, millennials. 
millennials. You know, they may not yet be the present, but they're certainly going to be the future, Lord help us all. These young, uninitiated minds will someday soon become our (laughs) politicians, doctors, scientists, chefs, television producers, fashion designers, manufacturers, and in one would hope, (laughs) the new proponents of liberty. (laughs) But are they ready for it? (laughs) Yeah. Time after time, particularly on college campi, millennials have proven to be little more than entitled, spoiled, anti-intellectual brats who place far too much emphasis on feelings and nowhere near enough emphasis on critical thinking. To the millennial, words are cause for the creation of safe spaces. Alternative ideas must be stifled, and anything they perceive to be a microaggression is enough to send them spiraling into a state of mental distress. It's time millennials understood these seven harsh realities of life so we don't end up with a generation of gutless adult babies running the show. Number one, your feelings are largely irrelevant. Seriously. Nobody who has already graduated college cares about your feelings. That means that when you complain to your boss because your coworker misgendered you, he's probably not going to bend over backwards to bandage your wounds. Given the feelings are entirely subjective in nature. It's completely unreasonable to demand everyone tiptoe around you to prevent yours from being hurt. The reality is that people will often offend you and hurt your feelings and they won't stop to mop up your tears because they shouldn't have to. Learning to accept criticism, alternative viewpoints, and even outright insults will make you happier in the long run than routinely playing the victim card. Number two, you cannot be whatever you want to be. This, unfortunately is a comforting lie parents have started telling their children to boost their morale in school. And unfortunately, millennials are now convinced it's true, especially as society has now decided to push this narrative as well. The reality is, If you're 17 years old and still can't figure out basic division, you're not going to be a rocket scientist. If you're overweight and unattractive, you're not going to be the quarterback's prom date. If you lack fine motor skills, you're not going to be a heart surgeon. 
It's okay to accept that you cannot be whatever you want to be. In fact, once you accept this, you'll be able to focus on the things you can be, the things you really are talented at. Number three, gender studies is a waste of money. You heard me. While some millennials taking useless degrees will claim they're beneficial for teaching or research positions, the reality is that they just put themselves in several thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in debt to learn how to be a professional victim. While you're struggling to make ends meet after graduation because nobody who pays more than minimum wage is interested in your qualifications and you're drowning in student debt, be sure to check out the next harsh reality before you start complaining. Are you ready? Here it is. Number four, if you live in America, you're already in the 1%. I got to say that again, my friends, because most people seem to think that this isn't the truth. If you live in America, you are already in the 1%. So put down the signs of death to the 1% and such, because this is the correct. And even though you may work at a McDonald's for minimum wage because you got a useless, outrageously expensive college degree, you are still far better off than the vast majority of the planet. If you don't believe me, it's easy. Do what your host has done. Go to places. Fly to Uganda. And check out the living conditions there. Fly to China, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, Iran, Russia, and even European countries like Ukraine, and especially Greece. And you'll quickly discover how well off you really are. While it may be cool these days to dump on capitalism, it's the only reason you aren't already worse off. Number five, you don't have a right to it just because you exist. That includes health care, guaranteed income, and somewhere to live. Just because you're here and breathing doesn't mean society owes you anything. Like the billions of people who lived before you, working hard is a better guarantee of wealth and the ability to comfortably take care of yourself than begging society or the government to do it for you. Demanding health care be a right, for example, is equivalent to demanding government to force the taxpayer to pay for it. While it may seem like a good idea in theory, it only leads to rationing of care when costs become unsustainable, which negatively impacts not just your health, but everyone else's too. Number six, 
You do have the right to live as you please, but not to demand people accept it. Now, by contrast, as I said, you do have the right to live however you please, so long as it's within the confines of the law. If you want to cross-dress, smoke marijuana, drink lots of alcohol, have lots of sex, and yes, even go to school for gender studies, then by all means, go for it. Government should not be allowed to legislate people's behavior as long as it does not infringe upon someone else's rights. But that doesn't mean society isn't allowed to have an opinion. You don't have the right to demand people keep their opinions about your lifestyle to themselves, especially if you're open and public about it. See, I have as much of a right to comment on the way you live your life as you do to actually live it. Your feelings are not protected right, but my speech is. Get over it. Finally, number seven, the only safe space is your home. No matter where you go in life, someone will be there to offend you. I guarantee it. Maybe it's a joke you overheard on vacation, a spat at the office, or a difference of opinion with someone in line at the grocery store. Inevitably, someone will offend you and your values. If you cannot handle that, without losing control of your emotions and reverting back to your safe space away from the harmful words of others, your best bet is to just stay at home. Remember, though, if people on the outside world scare you, people on the Internet will downright terrify you. It's probably best just to accept these harsh realities of life and go out into the world prepared to confront them wherever they may be waiting. Lots of luck to you. Signed, an adult. That would be me. Okay, there you go, my friends. Seven things that millennials need to understand. Oh boy, how many of them do? Okay, Another fifth Monday oddball story. Royal College of Physicians says vaping saves lives. Yes, the venerable British Medical Society recognizes the harm-reducing potential of e-cigarettes. I will remind you, in 1962... Two years before the U.S. Surgeon General Luther Terry released his famous report on the health hazards of smoking, the Royal College of Physicians, RCP, covered the same subject in a report that went further than Terry's, linking cigarettes to cardiovascular disease as well as lung cancer and chronic bronchitis. Now, the RCP has issued another landmark report 
that should inspire imitation in the United States, endorsing e-cigarettes as a harm-reducing alternative to the combustible tobacco-containing kind. They said in their report, quote, largest scale substitution of e-cigarettes or other non-tobacco nicotine products for tobacco smoking has the potential to prevent almost all the harm from smoking in society and promoting e-cigarettes and other non-tobacco nicotine products as widely as possible as a substitute for smoking is therefore likely to generate significant health gains in the UK. Well, The same is true for the United States, where public health officials tend to view e-cigarettes with fear rather than hope. The RCP report carefully addresses the concerns raised by critics of vaping. So, the question, is vaping safer than smoking? Well, the RCP report saying, quote, e-cigarette vapor contains a far less extensive range of toxins, and those present are typically at much lower levels than in tobacco smoke, end quote. Now, notice they didn't say it's gone. They said it's at much, much lower levels. So, therefore, if you're taking something in at much lower levels, you're going to have a much lower chance of contracting harmful side effects. Okay, I can buy that for a nickel. Not that I want to do this, my friends. I don't have any interest in it at all. But the thing is, from a health standpoint, they are making sense. The report notes also that, quote, in normal conditions of use, notice the, the thing there, normal conditions. Obviously, abuse is not normal. We have an instant message. Uh, it's flashing on my screen. Let's see what we got here. Except e-cigarettes are only chemicals and none of that nasty, terrible, natural tobacco. Well, <clears throat> um, uh, I would love someone to show me natural tobacco. Even the, uh, what's it called, spirit or natural spirit or something like that, even that that is labeled as quote-unquote natural has been sprayed and processed and re-sprayed and processed some more and processed even more and sprayed some more, etc. Unless you yourself are growing it from scratch and taking care of it yourself, calling it natural is, well, like calling most Victoria Secret models naturally endowed. Uh, Not really. Um, uh, So, Anyway, well, yes, it's true. We got these chemicals. But as, as this report here says from the RCP, the chemicals that you get are at much lower levels than what tobacco or natural, quote unquote, natural tobacco gives you. I'm not defending smoking. I'm simply saying that this has less chances of causing problems because, as they said, getting back to it, in normal conditions of use, toxin levels in inhaled e-cigarette vapor are probably well below 
prescribed threshold limit values for occupational exposure, in which case significant long-term harm is unlikely. Continuing to report, they say, some harm from sustained exposure to low levels of toxins over many years may yet emerge, but the magnitude of these risks relative to those of sustained tobacco smoking is likely to be small. Although it is not possible to quantify the long-term health risks associated with e-cigarettes precisely, the available data suggests that they are unlikely to reach 5% of those associated with smoked tobacco products and may well be substantially lower than this figure, end quote. So think about exactly what they said. You got something with a lower instances of chemicals, lower use because the rest of the report, which obviously I'm not going to have time to get to because I was expecting to be much further along by this time, talks about how it's not a gateway, uh, it does help smokers quit, that is, quit tobacco. They use e-cigarettes less than they do to. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, 
relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. to the Constitutional Crusaders show. I certainly hope I sound a lot better than that music sounded to me. Uh, Evidently, Skype uh, did a closing shutdown for no reason, and this is not the first time, as I said to Frank, it's not the first time that's happened to me since the last update to improve.
Okay, now I'm reconnected. Hopefully this is working, and hopefully I can be heard. Okay, I'm being told I'm heard. Okay, we are having technical difficulties. We're not trying to do this to you deliberately, my friends. We also know how much uh, <clears throat> certain government agents love this show, and that's entirely uh, not beyond the realm of possibility, my friends, because they don't love this show. Okay, really fast recap here. I just wanted to make the point, I didn't get to finish with some of the statistics that the Royal College of Physicians brought up. I am not, I repeat, not trying to say that e-cigarettes are good for you. Not trying to make that at all, and neither were they. They are no more good for you than Tobacco is good for you. What their study did say in a quick conclusion is that it leads to more and more people getting away from tobacco and then eventually away from the e-cigarettes themselves. So think about it, my friends. That's what it's all about. Some critical thinking. Think about it. If someone gets away from the tobacco and then gets away from the e-cigarettes, what's that going to do for them from a health standpoint? Okay, that was all I was trying to make the point of. Now, sarcasm, satire alert. The, the, I wish I, that's what I was trying to get to. I'm being asked, what about the addictiveness of e-cigs? That's what I was trying to get to in the end of the article, it talks about how it shows that they are much less addictive and that people have much easier time getting to step off of them after stepping off of tobacco. There. I want to try and move on here, my friends, because if that got you riled up, then this will really get you riled up. Satire, sarcasm alert. Alert, alert. This is satire. It's sarcasm. Headline, woman cuts off rapist balls and forces him to eat them. Tanya, Alexa Tanny blog writes, saying, I think I found my new hero. And then she goes on to talk about the story of a 17-year-old Kimberly Walt walking home and being subjected to a rather grisly rape, which I won't get into the great details here, and then her grisly action of forcing her rapist to, well, essentially eat his own genitals, and then finally ends with a supposed quote from the town uh, where the a rapist lives in, where one woman was said to have said, quote, now we don't have to worry about that pervert doing this to anyone else. If we castrated every child molester, we would never have this problem, end quote. Okay. Think about this, my friends. Why would I put such a satirical news, air quotes there, news story here, possibly to get you thinking about how our so-called justice system, no air quotes there, has failed us to the point that people are more and more 
fantasizing about this sort of activity. Now, if the powers that be, our beloved government that is, fail to see this trend developing where more and more people are writing things like this as if they were real stories, which they're not, my friends, real stories like this, how long is it going to be before something like this really happens? Hmm? Just something to think about, my friends. The failings of our so-called justice system lead me to believe that more and more people are going to do the triple S. Shoot, shovel, and shut up. Yeah. And do we really want that happening on a large-scale practice? Hmm? Just something to think about. Okay. Oh, huh. okay. Let's see what we got here. Another instant message. Let's see. Uh, well, I agree. I agree. I'm getting a message here. Can't happen soon enough to the molesters. Agreed. And why do... Why would that prompt... Anyone say that? Well, exactly what I said. The failings of our so-called justice system is failing us, my friends. And that's what's causing this feeling to be perpetuating across the country. We're being failed. And we're failing ourselves, too, because we're not doing anything about it. We're forgetting to remind our sheriffs to take care of the problem. Because if they don't, as I said, that triple S, shoot, shovel, and shut up, is going to start happening more and more. We're just not seeing or hearing about it very often. Well, because if someone does shoot, shovel, and shut up, and no one ever finds it, hmm, what happened? So, anyway, uh, that's why I say it's a sarcasm satire piece to prove a point, and I think I made the point. Now, this is not sarcasm. This is not satire. And it's our last Fifth Monday story here. Research proves there is no evidence that people are born gay or transgender. A report has been released by John Hopkins University professors that proves that there is no scientific evidence that people are born gay or transgender. In the report summary, the authors state that, quote, the understanding of sexual orientation as an innate biological fixed property of human beings, the idea that people are born that way is not supported by scientific evidence, end quote. The report was released by the New Atlantis, a journal of technology and society. The authors of the report 
Now, watch these names, my friends. Watch these names for the gay mafia to, to execute them. Lawrence S. Mayer, MBMSPhD, who is a scholar in residence at the Department of Psychiatry at the John Hopkins University School of Medicine and a professor of statistics and biostatistics at Arizona State University, and Paul R. McHugh, MD, who is a University Distinguished Service Professor of Psychiatry and a professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at the John Hopkins University School of Medicine. And he has spent 25 years in, as the psychiatric, uh, psychiatrist-in-chief at the John Hopkins Hospital. Now, their report is broken down into three parts. The first part focuses on sexual orientation and examines, quote, whether concepts such as heterosexuality, homosexuality, and bisexuality represent distinct, fixed, and biologically determined properties of human beings, end quote. It also takes a look at the born-that-way theory that so many gay and transgenders like to use to justify their behavior. Part two of the report focuses on the many health issues and concerns that are attributed to those who consider themselves gay or transgender. It was reported that, quote, large-scale health surveys suggested that rates of substance abuse are up to one-third higher for the LGBT subpopulation. Combined worldwide studies showed up to... 50% higher rates of mental disorders and substance abuse among persons self-identifying in surveys as lesbian, gay, or bisexual. Lesbian or bisexual women showed higher levels of substance abuse, while gay or bisexual men had higher rates of depression and panic disorder, end quote. The second part of the report, also highlighted that, quote, in 2008, meta-analysis of research on mental health outcomes for non-heterosexuals, University College London professor of psychiatry, Michael King and colleagues, concluded that gays, lesbians, and bisexuals face higher risk of suicidal behavior, mental disorder, and substance misuse and dependence than heterosexual people. The conclusion to the research from Michael King and his colleagues is that LGBT people are at a higher risk of mental disorder, suicidal ideation, substance misuse, and deliberate self-harm than heterosexual people, end quote. The third and final part of the report focuses on gender identity. And first, the author wants to clarify the meaning of gender and sex. According to the American Psychological Association, sex is assigned at birth. This is a quote from the APA, okay? Quote, sex is assigned at birth, refers to one's biological status as either male or female and is associated primarily with physical attributes such as chromosomes, hormone prevalence, and external and internal anatomy. Gender refers to 
social construct roles, behaviors, activities, and attributes that a given society considers appropriate for boys and men or girls and women. These influence the way that people act, interact, and feel about themselves. While aspects of biological sex are similar across different cultures, aspects of gender may differ, end quote. Simone de Bouvier, in her feminist book, The Second Sex, which was published in 1949, said that, quote, one is not born, but becomes a woman, end quote. Um, Mayor, Mayer said, the, the, one of the study reports here says, says, quote, this notion is an early version of the now familiar distinction between sex as a biological designation and gender as a cultural construct. Though one is born, as the APA explains, with the chromosomes, hormone prevalence, and external and internal anatomy of a female, one is socially conditioned to take on the roles, behaviors, activities, and attributes of a woman, end quote. Now, to conclude their report, Mayer and McHugh state that, quote, the suggestion that we are born that way is more complex in the case of gendered identity. In one sense, the evidence that we are born with a given gender seems well supported by direct observation. Males overwhelmingly identify as men and females as women. The fact that children are, with few exceptions of intersex individuals, born either biologically male or female is beyond debate. The biological sexes play contemporary roles in reproduction, and there are a number of population-level average psychological and physiological differences between the sexes, end quote. Then they went on to say, quote, in reviewing the scientific literature, we find that almost nothing is well understood when we seek biological explanations for what causes some individuals to state that their gender does not match their biological sex, end quote. So, what does this research say about what is now one of the biggest social issues of this generation. Hmm? I'll let you decide for yourself, and you can let me know what you think. But while you're thinking about it, think about this. If a gay gene, quote-unquote, were found, what would that do? See, my friends... There is a reason that the gay mafia, as I like to call them, and I really guess I should say, uh, to be inclusive, the LGBTRSMOGIGQPRH mafia, uh, maybe I got all the letters in there, why they oppose research and fights research into the gay gene. Think about it, my friends. Because if this gay gene were ever found, 
you might hear a conversation that goes something like this. Dr. Killjoy. So, Mrs. Homophobe, your genetic tests are in on your fetus, and I'm afraid I have some bad news on some abnormal abnormalities. Mrs. Homophobe replies, Oh, no! What is it? Downs? Curly hair? Club feet? Dr. Killjoy says, I'm afraid it's worse than that. He's gay! Mrs. Homophobe says, Abort the monster now! And that's why, my friends, the gay mafia doesn't want the quote-unquote gay gene found. Now, of course, this does bring up the issue of trying to prove a negative. You cannot prove a negative. It's impossible. But that's what the gay mafia wants us to do. They want us to prove a negative. And since we can't, they waggle their fingers at us and say, see, see, you can't even support your argument, when that wasn't our argument in the first place. It was their argument. We just let them. And the same thing applies in the political arena, my friends. The same thing applies to so many things in our lives. This is just a microcosm, if you will, of one issue and how those that have an agenda to grind, and I admit my agendas here, my friends. I do, quite openly and blatantly. I admit them, and I tell you what they are. Um, and that is, just to put it in a nutshell, to get you to think. That's what I want you to do, to get you to think. Well, the gay mafia and such, they have their agenda. Politicians have their agenda. Gun grabbers have their agenda. You know, et cetera, et cetera. And they all use methods to twist, distort, and deceive to make you think the way they want you to think. I want you just simply to think and apply some critical thinking. I'm not telling you what to think or how to, just to think. There's the difference there. So speaking of getting one to think, Mike Rowe, the star of that Dirty Jobs series, runs a phenomenal blog that I love to follow, which is filled with all sorts of common sense, which is just so lacking in today's society, that his latest little one caught my attention. I just can't resist sharing it with you. It's entitled, Pardon Me, but your slip is showing. He writes in his blog, Micro writes, saying that Albert Samos writes, the media has recently been stating that Donald Trump's key supporters didn't graduate from college. They constantly refer to these people as uneducated white men, as an electrical contractor who happens to be a white guy with six employees but no college, I find this vaguely offensive and somewhat confusing. 
What do you think of the media characterizing people this way? Mike Rowe responds saying, hi, Albert. If the media is referring to Trump supporters who happen to be male, Caucasians, suffering from a lack of knowledge brought about by an absence of formal or practical instruction, then I guess, quote, uneducated white men, end quote, is a fair description. However, if the Trump supporters in question are being dubbed, 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 D-U-B-B-E-D, dubbed, quote, uneducated, end quote, simply because they didn't earn a four-year degree, I'd say the media's slip is showing. Let's assume that Donald Trump is indeed popular among white men who didn't graduate from college. The first question is, so what? Is this information newsworthy? Obviously, thousands of journalists think so. To your point, the words uneducated white men now appear in hundreds of articles about Trump. But if this is truly important information, where were these reporters four years ago? In the last election, an even greater majority of African-American males who voted for President Obama had no college on their resume. Maybe I missed it, but I don't recall any headlines or articles that delved into Obama's popularity among, quote, uneducated black men, end quote. And if the media didn't care about the lack of college among black men supporting Obama, why do they care so much about the lack of college among white men supporting Trump? Moreover, when exactly did a lack of college become synonymous with a lack of education? Now, I'm going to break at this point from the article because I want you to think about what Mike Rowe is putting there. And think about what I said before I started this, about how things are twisted, distorted, perverted, and then turned around and shoved back down your throat. Because that is what's happening, my friends, and Mike Rowe is simply illustrating the point. Um, and oh yeah, yeah, and and all is true. But what supports Hitlery? Illegal aliens who have, on average, a sixth grade Mexican education, and Muslim refugees who maybe have a well, I'm going to say sixth century Muslim education, not sixth grade. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, and I'm not really being all that terribly funny there, my friends. Seriously. Um, so that's something to think about, my friends. And I want you to think about it. And I'll come back to the rest of Micro because the rest of what he has to say is really important. And he makes some really, really good points. So am, am I hearing the music? I am hearing the music, I think. You're listening to Constitutional Crusade Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Warning. If you're here to feel good about government, if you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This... is a proper place where those beliefs need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. Yeah, best bring facts to the discussion. 
There we go, my friends. We are having some very interesting times with Skype today. And if we drop off, just have patience. We'll try and get it back on a different computer. But um, uh, it's acting really, really weird. I have no idea how or what. But you are listening to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. It is the 4 o'clock hour. It's still Monday, August 29th, 2016. And... This is a live call-in show, uh, although with the way Skype is acting, I don't even know if I want to try taking a call today with all this trouble going on. But if you want to try, the number is 1-800-932-1980. But as I said, with Skype screwing up, uh, that might be really interesting. As far as I know, the new Yahoo Messenger is operating properly, and that would be Yahoo Messenger ID KC. 7AQK, although no one has yet to use the new Yahoo Messenger with me since it came out. So I'm like, hmm, is it really working as far as I know it is? Okay, for those of you that are just joining us right now, um, I'm in the middle of a very poignant blog from Mike Rowe. You know, the guy who did the Dirty Jobs show, and he's talking, he's talking about one of my, kind of my, one of my favorite subjects, and that is media bias, and specifically how the media is being twisted and distorted to lead you and the, the low-information voters out there to conclusions that they would not reach if they were being given real news and information, okay? So... Um, as he left off, he said he was saying that he didn't hear uh, anything about the last election about the predominantly majority of lack of college-educated black men voting for Obama. So why all of a sudden this thing for uh, the media to focus on low-information white or low-educated white men voting for Trump. Hmm? So he says, Micro, he continues, there are many ways to become educated that don't involve the purchase of a diploma. And I love the way he puts it there, my friends, purchase of a diploma. And oh, for just $49,575, you too can have this sheepskin to hang on your wall, proclaiming to the world that you are emdumcated. Yeah. Uh, I, did I feel like a Saturday night uh, info salesman there, my friends? Because that's what Mike Rowe is talking about there. So, why would the media ignore thousands of apprenticeship programs, on-the-job training opportunities, and all the other alternative educational options that have led so many people into so many successful careers? Hmm? The answer is obvious. Many in the press are looking for ways to impact the election. If a biased reporter can get away with labeling Trump supporters who didn't graduate from college as uneducated, then he can simultaneously imply that any ballot cast for Trump is the hallmark of an, quote, 
uneducated voter, end quote. If you're only vaguely offended by this, maybe it's because you've seen it all before. Never mind the fact that you run a successful business. Now, Micro is talking to the guy who wrote him the letter, okay? So he says, never mind the fact that you run a successful business. Never mind your years of training, your skill, your knowledge, your diligence, your common sense, and every other quality that allowed you to succeed. Because for those of you that are just joining us here, the letter was written by a man who tells about how he employs six people in his small electrical contractor's job, okay? Or business, not job, his business. So he says, you know, you're being, um, as he says, you're, all these things are being discounted. And in this political climate, none of all these things matter. These days, you're just another white guy who never made it to college voting for the wrong candidate, quote unquote. It's impossible for me, Mike Rose says, to have this conversation and not think of my grandfather. Pop never made it to college. In fact, he never made it out of the seventh grade, but he never stopped learning or studying. He started as an electrician's helper, became an apprentice, a journeyman, a master electrician, a contractor, and then a small business owner. And later, as an electrical inspector for the state, he was responsible for guaranteeing the safety of hundreds of buildings in Maryland, as well as all the rides on the Carnival Midway at the State Fair. He was a modest man of real intelligence, admired and respected by everyone who knew him. But today... He'd be right there with you, Albert, swelling out the ranks of, quote, uneducated white men, end quote. Forget the election for a moment, Micro says, and the media's role in it. The issue of what it means to be educated in 2016 has far greater implications. Right now, 5.8 million jobs currently exist that employers can't seem to fill. Meanwhile, outstanding student loans will eclipse $1.3 trillion this year. That's a staggering number, my friends. College tuition continues to rise, and once again, a new crop of deeply indebted college graduates will enter the workforce with none of the necessary skills to fill those open positions. Closing the skills gap. I love the way Micro uses that, my friends, because you keep hearing about this wage gap. How about the skills gap? And making college more affordable is beyond his pay grade, Mike Rowe's pay grade. But seems like we could start by reminding the media that a college degree is not the only path to success. It's well and good to promote higher education, but it's crazy to suggest the most expensive road to enlightenment is the best path for most people. And it's equally nuts to pressure our kids to keep borrowing vast sums of money to become educated in careers that no longer exist. Wow. On dirty jobs, Micro says, 
I met hundreds of highly trained, highly intelligent, highly knowledgeable citizens who went on to prosper without the benefit of a university experience. These people should be congratulated, not used as pawns by reporters with a political agenda. I don't care who you're voting for. Your college diploma or your lack thereof has nothing to do with the wisdom of your choice. Anyway, Albert. That's a long way of saying you have every reason to be vaguely offended and somewhat confused. The media has minimized your work, insulted your intelligence, and ignored your contribution to civilized life. Try not to take it personally. Just keep doing what you do. Run your business. Vote your conscience. Keep the lights on for the rest of us. And the next time some hack writer impersonating a journalist attacks a candidate by calling their supporters uneducated simply because their base of knowledge isn't memorialized on a sheepskin, send them this picture and tell them their slip is showing. And that one lousy hatchet job deserves another. And the picture he shows, my friends, is a picture of a guy in that ceremonial robe with the cap and miter on his head, swinging an axe at a log, and the front of the robe is open so, well, the slip is showing, my friends. Then Mike concludes by saying, P.S., Microworks has a new Freddy and the Biped campaign t-shirt with a nonpartisan message guaranteed to help close the skills gap of, quote, a doghouse divided against itself cannot stand, end quote. Not only are they appealing me a fashion, a portion of the proceeds pays for training programs for jobs that don't require a four-year degree. There you go, my friends. Very good. Okay, now... Speaking of low-information voters, as I have alluded to many times already this show, well, why, why, my friends, are low-information voters worrisome? Hmm? See, sadly, we live in the era of the low-information voter. The second edition of Illa Solman's Democracy and Political Ignorance, published this year, documents widespread political ignorance among today's public, including voters. Although non-voters are abysmally ignorant of politics, voters are not walking, talking, political encyclopedias either. Americans are more likely to be well-informed about celebrities such as the Kardashians than about political leaders. Consistent with earlier research, Soman estimates that nearly a third of the American public are, quote, know-nothings who possess little or no relevant knowledge about public affairs. He notes, quote, if the public really is often ignorant about public affairs, we might have a serious problems on our hands, end quote. Hint, we do. In addition, 
either as a cause or a corollary, a large portion of the public is politically apathetic. Except in times of crisis, most Americans don't pay much attention to what happens in the political arena, and most don't care much about what's going on in U.S. politics. They are more concerned with personal and family matters than with public affairs. Now, I do not mention America's low voter turnout rates when writing about apathy, although some focus on low turnout rates relative to other Western nations when discussing apathy. Voting, you see, is not always and perhaps not even usually a reliable indicator of how attentive people are to public affairs. Some people who are turned off by Hillary and Donald Trump may not vote in 2016, but that does not necessarily mean that they don't pay attention to public affairs. So, when it comes to the quest for the presidency in 2016, what are we to make of the fact that Americans are more familiar with Donald Trump, the TV celebrity, than they are with his policy proposals? Hmm? In addition, substantial percentages of people who supported one of the Democrats seeking the presidency weren't very well informed about their favorite candidate. And when young people who supported the 74-year-old socialist Bernie Sanders were asked to explain what socialism means, they tended to offer only vacuous definitions. In addition, one wonders what percentage of Hillary Clinton's backers are aware of her promise to raise taxes by $1 trillion over a 10-year period, and if necessary, to do so via an executive order. Hmm? America's political apathy and ignorance are a Especially worrisome when one considers that the U.S. political system was created by men who assumed or hoped that the republic would be sustained by an engaged and informed populace. James Madison, often said to be the Constitution's father, wrote that, quote, a popular government without popular information or the means of acquiring it is but a prologue to a farce or a tragedy or perhaps both, end quote. Thomas Jefferson, author of the Declaration of Independence and the nation's third president, wrote that we should, quote, educate and inform the whole mass of people. They are the only sure reliance for the preservation of our liberty, end quote. Now, if our republic ever was truly a government of, by, and for the people, that is but a dim memory. Today, the U.S. is governed by a ruling class, which constitutes at most only 15% of the populace. And that ruling class, dominated by Democrats, along with a few Republicans, who are willing to be minority partners, has corrupted our country. 
An obvious question for someone worried about America's public political apathy and ignorance is this. Are you ready? Quote, hasn't it been like this for decades? Therefore, what's new, end quote? Well, at first blush, one is inclined to answer yes and thereby undermine much of the raison d'entree for this essay. And on second thought, however, there are grounds for worrying about today's political apathy and ignorance. Compare, for example, the debates between John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon in 1960 with those between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney in 2012. In 1960, a candidate had eight minutes to make a case, and his opponent then had two and a half minutes to rebut him. Each candidate had three minutes for a closing statement. By 2012, each candidate had only two minutes to respond to a question posed by the moderator. It isn't just debates, formats that bespeak shortened attention spans and consequent increased ignorance. Campaign ads have grown briefer and briefer and consequently far less informative in recent decades. Ads are now much less likely to tout the qualities and policies of the candidate they are designed to favor and far more inclined to stress the opponent's negative qualities and or policies. Patterns of media campaign coverage have deteriorated as well. It would be wrong to assume that presidential debates are the only venue by which ordinary people learn about public affairs. We should remember, nevertheless, that audiences for debates are larger and more heterogeneous than those for any other campaign-related event, including the national nominating conventions. Debate formats, moreover, can provide useful insights into the information base of a public opinion at the time they are held. A candidate cannot convey the same quality and quantity of information in two minutes that Kennedy and Nixon could get across on an important issue in 1960. Some say that this points to, what, that what this points to, sorry, some say that what this points to is the American public's seriously shortened attention span since 1960. Whatever it says, the result is a less politically informed electorate than those days, than as recently as 1960. Moreover, government, especially in the age of Obama, has never been bigger, more powerful, and more pervasive in Americans' lives. As Simon notes, the bigger and more intrusive government is, the more it behooves citizens to be politically attentive and knowledgeable. According to Madison, quote, a people who mean to be their own governors should arm themselves with the power which knowledge gives, end quote. Note Madison's word, use of the word arm in the context of acquiring political information. 
If one is knowledgeable about public affairs, according to Madison, and those who agree with him, one is armed with the facts that will enable her or him to defend herself or himself against the inevitability attempts by big government to limit liberty. Think about it. The attentive and knowledgeable citizen can defend herself or himself against governmental deprivations. The apathetic and ignorant one is at the ruling class's mercy. Yes, if the typical citizen attaches far less importance to the political arena than to personal matters such as family, work, health, friends, and even entertainment, should we be surprised that in 2016 many people will cast ballots based on little if any knowledge of the major issues facing the nation and of the candidate's position on those issues? Should we be surprised that both major parties have nominated presidential candidates with the highest disapproval rates on record? Should it surprise us that in both parties, prospective candidates who may have been better qualified for the presidency than those who have been nominated either chose not to enter the nomination fray or were eliminated from consideration? Hmm. If low-information voters constitute a large portion of today's electorate, wouldn't America's founders, assuming they could live again, be right to fear for the republic's future? And shouldn't we... Hmm? Something to think about, my friends. Okay, links of interest. we got 12. Let's see how many we can get through before the music starts playing. Number 12. Now, I really want to pop some popcorn and watch this unfold. Judicial Watch is suing Michelle Obama's extravagant taxpayer-funded vacations. Oh, I want to watch that one. Number 11. More evidence to destroy the myth of male privilege. Uh, local news report, pay your child support or don't drive in Texas legally. Number 10, um, I live, my friends, in the most expensive city in Oregon for water, where a single cubic yard, that's one unit of water, costs me over 55 bucks. That's more than a family in Las Vegas pays. And this line from the article that I have a link for here is making me fuming mad as the politicians that run this crummy little town where this article says, quote, this newest desalination plant can produce a thousand liters of drinking water for 58 cents. Therefore, Israeli households pay about 30 U.S. dollars a month for their water, end quote. A thousand liters for 58 cents. A cubic yard of water, one unit of standard uh, water meters, is just over 764 liters. And I'm paying over 56 bucks for that? WTF. The article is entitled, Israel, one of the world's driest countries, is now overflowing with water. And it talks about their new desalinization programs that they're using. It's quite fascinating, my friends. Seven through nine. I'm sure you've heard about the letter to the students at the University of Chicago. But did you know that the letter was an introduction to a monograph? 
And if the letter triggered the snowflakes, then imagine what the monograph did. And I've got three articles here about that to talk about it, my friends. So it's good for you to get that and look them. Number six, Dr. Drew's show canceled just days after he questioned Hillary's health. So keep checking to make sure that he hasn't uh, <clears throat> committed suicide, my friends. Number five, unbelievable. Our prospective next VP is actually saying that women in Iraq have it better than females in America. Yeah, he really said that. Number four, I've given you stuff like this before. Here's another source, and it gives a slightly different perspective. Eight things we know Huma Abedin's involvement with Islamist Journal, my friends. Number three, an interesting infographic that if in the last presidential election, if we still had voting the way the founding fathers intended, that is, only those who have the proverbial skin in the game of being taxed to support the government, then instead of B.O. getting 332 electoral votes and Mittens getting 206, the numbers would have been B.O. with 97 and Mittens with 441. Remember Senator Cicero, my friends. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. 
Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, Constitutional Counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and Betty thugs all over. Hopefully, our Skype problems have gone away. We haven't had any drop-offs that I can tell uh, and such. And I'm getting through the links of interest. I left off with number three, talking about that interesting infographic and um, and showing that if only... Taxpayers had voted in the last presidential election that Mittens would have come away with 440 electoral votes compared to B.O.'s 97 if only taxpayers had voted. I will remind you, my friends, of what Senator Cicero from ancient Rome warned us that if the people find out that they can get the government to give them largesse, read that as welfare, then they will vote for that. And the last election, when you take into consideration only taxpayers voting, hmm, wow, it changed the system. My friends, the map shows only 10 states. Oregon, Washington, one state in the Midwest, and then New York and all the states to the north of New York. So New York to Maine, that's it. Only those 10 states would have voted for B, given their electoral votes to B.O. That's it in the last election, if you only counted taxpayers. Okay, number two, don't hold your breath. But this shows that one of the biggest donors in the pay-for-play of the Clinton Crime Syndicate was, drumroll please, Saudi Arabia. Yep, a new leak that shows who ordered Hillary to leave the four men in Benghazi to die. Uh Uh-huh. 
Yep, Saudi Arabia. And finally, number one, my friends, and I left this as the number one for a very good reason. An Army training presentation lists the woman who could be the next commander-in-chief as an insider threat, and an Army spokesman has confirmed that the image is authentic. Yep. She is an insider threat. Critical thinking segment. Remember Elian Gonzalez? Remember that famous picture of the armed government thug reaching out and grabbing him from his relatives? Remember that? Well, I've got that very picture here, and it says, when Clinton deported an illegal Cuban child by force, liberals called it enforcing the law. Then the next picture shows Donald Trump and says, Trump wants to enforce immigration laws, and liberals label him a bigot. Just something to think about, my friends. Okay, now it's time for the Roy School of Guerrilla Lawfare, L-A-W. That's learn and win through better education. This is the time of the show that we try and turn off the messenger, we try and turn off the incoming phone calls, and we try and focus on one particular subject. Today, my friends, we are really going to get into a deep, deep constitutional issue, and I'm going to try and make it very simple. In fact, I'm going to try and make it almost simple enough for low information voters out there to actually understand it. I know it's going to be tough, but I'm going to try. So, general welfare clause. Yes, my friends, this was James Madison's warning against federal meddling in local schools. See, excuse me, oh, I should have swallowed instead of inhaled there, I apologize. See, according to the father of the Constitution, the powers delegated to the central government, quote, are few and defined, and those that remain in the states are numerous and indefinite, end quote. That was from Federalist Paper number 45. Madison also explained that those powers, quote, are reserved to external objects of war, peace, negotiation, and foreign commerce, end quote. He also stated that the central government's power to tax is intended to be limited to those powers. Again, see Federalist Paper number 45. Madison clarified the meaning of the often used clauses in 1792 during the Cod Fishery Bill debate, specifically that the general welfare, necessary and proper commerce, and tax and spend clauses were not powers of their own, but descriptions of the purpose of those limited and enumerated powers already mentioned. The General Welfare Clause, Madison explained, 
was added to describe the purpose of the limited powers being delegated to the central government, i.e., so the central government could use those powers for, quote, the general welfare, end quote, of the union, rather than for the benefit of one state over the other. The debates make it crystal clear that this is not a blanket power to, quote, do anything you can think of, end quote, to promote the so-called general welfare. It is, in fact, a limitation to direct that the power be wielded equitably. In this debate, Madison also warns of the consequences of interpreting this clause as a general boilerplate power rather than a description of the intent that the limited powers be to the general benefit of the entire union. He said, quote, for if the clause in question really authorizes Congress to do what Ever they think fit, provided it be for the general welfare, of which they are to judge, and money can be applied to it. Congress must have the power to create and support a judiciary establishment with a jurisdiction extending to all cases favorable, in their opinion, to the welfare, general welfare, in the same manner that they have power to pass laws and apply money provided in any other way of the general welfare. If Congress can employ money indefinitely to the general welfare, this is still Madison speaking, and are the sole and supreme judges of the general welfare, they may take the care of religion into their own hands, or they may appoint teachers in every state, county and parish, and pay them out of the public treasury. They may take into their own hands the education of children, establishing in like manner schools throughout the Union. They may assume the provision for the poor, that they may undertake the regulation of all roads other than post roads. In short, everything from the highest object of state legislation down to the most minute object of police would be thrown under the powers of Congress for every object I have mentioned would admit the application of money and might be called, if Congress pleased, provisions for the general welfare, end quote. Now, again, my friends, that was James Madison on the Cod Fishery Bill granting bounties in 1792. Have you even heard of that, my friends? It's something to really think about. Uh, oh, we might have a message here. What do we got here? Oh, okay, good. The, the sound is good. I, I wanted to know that. I'm glad I looked. Okay. Is it relevant? to note that in this discussion, that Madison is remarking that it is an obvious abuse of power for the centralized government to assume the role of education. He is speaking 
to his colleagues in extremes to show his point that interpreting the clauses in this way would result in an unlimited central government, a notion that would be highly offensive to the men involved in this debate. Therefore, it is clear that the General Welfare Clause does not give power or permission for federal involvement in school, and much less for the Federal Department of Education. And to the contrary, according to the father of the Constitution, that would be James Madison, once we have adopted this erroneous interpretation and application of the General Welfare Clause, and perhaps see federal involvement in our schools, we will know we have a ridiculously out-of-control federal government. As Madison himself said it, quote, I venture to declare it as my opinion that were the power of Congress to be established in the latitude contended for, it would subvert the very foundations and transmute the very nature of the limited government established by the people of America, and what inferences might be drawn, or what consequences ensue from such a step, it is incumbent on all of us to consider, end quote. Hmm. Because we have turned constitutional interpretation over to our own musings that we have indeed transmuted into something other than a representative republic, in our arrogance, we have decided that the wisdom sown into our founding documents and expressed in the profuse writings of its framers does not need to be consulted. The fact that this is wisdom, as you know, is tied to over 700 years of lessons in history and five foundational liberty charters, not to mention the liberty philosophers and writers that our founders diligently consulted. So the question is this, where is such negligence leading us? What kind of government are we creating? Into what are we transmuting? Hmm? Think about that. Remember, my friends, what I spoke about earlier in this show, in fact, not very long ago, about low-information voters? Well, such LIVs would say something like this. I thought the preamble for the Constitution said that the purpose of that document was to provide for the common welfare. How can that be done without education, without public safety, without regulation of industries that would otherwise rob the public and spoil the environment? Well, my friends, the preamble of the Constitution states... And I quote, 
We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America, end quote. That low-information voter would be referring to the phrase that I highlighted by forcing the volume, promote the general welfare. Not what the LIV said, which is provide for the common welfare. Did you notice the difference there, my friends? So, this begs the question, my friends. What are the blessings of liberty? Remember? That's what it said in that preamble secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. What are the blessings of liberty? How are they secured by the government? The blessings include automobiles, computers, antibiotics, and thousands of groceries at the local market. How are these blessings secured by the government? By nationalizing the automobile industry as in the Soviet Union? No. Simply by protecting the nation from foreign invasion and eliminating trade barriers between the several states. Well, what about punishing fraud and crime? Though considered to be a function of government, it is not considered to be a function of the federal government. Punishing crime remained with the states and local governments. So, the question posed during the Constitutional Convention, during the ratification process, was what form of government best secures the blessings of liberty and promotes the general welfare? The question given was not a huge centralized federal government with unlimited powers, but rather a limited federal government that has only a few powers enumerated in the Constitution, with the rest of the government remaining with the states. The Tenth Amendment in the Bill of Rights summarizes the philosophy of the whole Constitution. Let's read it. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. End quote. Now, in Federalist Paper number 45, Yes, I'm picking on Federalist Paper number 45 a lot, my friends, because it has a lot to do with this general welfare clause. Madison described the relationship between the federal government and the states in these famous words. Quote, the powers delegated by the proposed Constitution to the federal government are few and defined. 
Those which are to remain in the state governments are numerous and indefinite. The former will be exercised principally on external objects as war, peace, negotiation, and foreign commerce. With the last, the power of taxation will, for the most part, be connected. The powers reserved to the several states will be extended to all the objects which, in the ordinary course of affairs, concern the lives, liberties, and properties of the people, and the internal order, improvement, and prosperity of the state." End quote. And nobody believed that the state governments had the authority to nationalize production of computers, automobiles, and groceries. Government on all levels was tightly limited, and liberty extended to the people and their businesses. This, my friends, is the theory of constitutionally enumerated powers. Only powers enumerated in the Constitution are possessed by the federal government. But doesn't the, quote, promote the general welfare clause indicate that the federal government has vast sweeping powers to do whatever is necessary to promote the general welfare? You might hear the low information voter ask, well... In testimony before Congress, Cato Institute scholar Jerry Taylor explained how the architects of the Constitution understood the general welfare phrase when he wrote, said, in Federal's paper number 41, Madison summarizes the relationship of the general preface language, including the welfare language, to the subsequent more detailed enumeration of specific powers. And he did it as follows, quote, Some who have denied the necessity of the power of taxation to the federal government have grounded a very fierce attack against the Constitution on the language on which it is defined. It has been urged and echoed that the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States amounts to an unlimited commission to exercise every power which may be alleged to be necessary for the common defense or general welfare. No stronger proof could be given of the distress under which these writers labor for objections than their stooping to such a misconstruction, end quote. Thus Madison, who like story after him, sought to defend federal power threats, with derision, the claim of opponents of federal power that the claim that the welfare clause is a general grant of power. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh. 